Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Wednesday. Coming to you live from SEC Media Days here, a radio row at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia. My name is J.J. Jackson alongside Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, and Tom Peavy. It's Wednesday. It's our third day here. And at this point, we're just having all the fun in the whole wide world. We've got an incredible show planned for you today. Coming up, we'll chat with Jake Crane, Tony Barnhart, David Cutcliffe, Gary Stoken, Connor O'Gara, Chris Gordy, and more. Who knows who else will stop by our radio set to join us on today's program. Again, our favorite event each and every year to interact with so many of our friends that we have phone calls with throughout the year. And uh, yeah, a great day last night. We got to go over to Mercedes-Benz Stadium for a little social event uh, amongst our peers here at SEC Media Days. That was loads of fun. Getting to chat with Tom Peavy uh, was a highlight of my night certainly <laughs> and here we are getting ready Why? to rock and roll for day three hey tom why? <laughs> then this must be a thrill for you. This is incredible. Twice I mean, a week. I do this twice a week, but it was like, yeah, hey. Like you never get to talk to me. But we didn't have, we weren't doing a radio show. We were just, you know, Sitting chilling. Around. Yeah. I, so JJ actually had a beer in his hand. I didn't even know that <laughs> yeah. JJ knew what beer was. <laughs> yeah. And it took one. And he's like, hey, let me ask you a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was I think he was just like two steps in. Two steps in. And he's like, let's get I'm, deep. Let's get deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a night we had. How's your day been? I've been it's been great. Uh went out played around, did some photography that I like to do, especially when I'm up here around Atlanta. Yeah. Been around here, milling around, talking to a bunch of people, hob not hobnobbing with all the professionals. I don't That's know what we've been doing. Yeah. I don't know if that I'm necessarily a professional at this. Yeah, I say, are we professionals? Y'all are. What is hobnobbing? <laughs> hobnobbing. Hobnobbing. Uh, We've had a busy day here. See, y'all Definition. are the professional. Y'all are like, like you know, I just come on the show and do the show with you guys. Y'all are actually like radio professionals. I'm just a part-timer. <laughs> I don't know. If, like, again, I don't know if professional needs to be thrown around this much. <laughs> we attempt to be and we drag ourselves down. Okay. Well, I mean, but well, I appreciate that. Sure. But no, it's been a great day. Um, not the greatest today for the Thunder Chickens last night, but right. it's okay. We the Couldn't the four the, hey the four of us <laughs> the four of us weren't there, so you know maybe things would have been different if we were there with the guys. So but, you know we had the, we had bigger and more important things to. I don't want to say bigger and better because I also it don't want to say I also don't want to say more important because yeah. the Thunder Chickens that's it's a part important. of us that's a part of us it's all important. Yeah, but, but, you know. 
We just had other responsibilities. We have to bring good radio and yeah. SEC media And days. we have done that. We've sure. done that. We've had a lot of compliments from folks, from uh, the people we've been able to chat with, and that certainly means the world to us. But it has been a busy day. It's been Georgia Day. It's been Florida Day. Uh, Kentucky has been in the building. Arkansas. I mean, four more schools have made their way here to the College Football Hall of Fame. How's your day been, Ryan? Uh, it's been good. We've, uh, we've heard some more from all the coaches and uh, it was all, I, you know, I write every day about uh, just kind of recapping what was said, and it was pretty easy to do that today. I, I, not that there was earth-shattering news. I think you talk to anyone in the business, and no, there's not a lot of earth-shattering news, if any, um, throughout the week. But it's just kind of reading between the lines, and you start to hear how coaches are talking, um, just just trying to pick up on their, their tempo, their mood. And, you know, I, I think that, it's still been insightful just from the standpoint of you can tell who is getting more comfortable in their programs, who is trying to adjust everything. Like, like I still would go back. If you want an example of this, I'd still go back to Brian Kelly. He still strikes me as someone that's just kind of uncomfortable right now. Uh, he is not settled in. Now, he's a terrific football coach. He did a really good job at Notre Dame. But just handling the, the circus that is SEC Media Days, he just seemed out of place still. And, of course, we talk about the fit with LSU, and that is something that's going to be important. Uh, kind of the flip side of that is I think the world of Sam Pittman Uh, Sam Pittman is perfect for the University of Arkansas one of the first things he talked about today was that he's got a a non-compete with in the SEC a part of his new contract he cannot go to an SEC school and you don't see that very often and especially at a program that's not necessarily a top tier SEC program and in this day and age yes you know if you build Arkansas to a certain point you'd say maybe there's a chance he would always stay or, or a coach would always stay however we're living in a world where the Notre Dame coach left for another college job. We're, le- right. we're living in a world where the Oklahoma coach left for another college job. So almost no job is truly unleavable. And so for Sam Pittman to make that commitment, like that is a, an Arkansas Razorback right there. And um, just how likable that dude is, I'll go into more detail later. But, um, you know, he is someone that is very comfortable with where he is at and his demeanor is great. So just picking up. You know, the the substance of what these guys are saying is not earth shattering, but just how comfort, how they fit their programs. I think you can read between the lines and see some of that. And so I've been excited to kind of read between the lines there. And we've had a lot of uh, great posts throughout the week from you, Ryan, as you mentioned your uh, recaps, your days in review at SEC Media Days. Find those on our website, the front page, the Tiger.fm. Really good stuff, very thoughtful. I tell you each and every day how much I enjoy. Enjoy reading what you've got to offer. Uh, you say oftentimes you feel like it's regurgitated in verbal form on this radio show. Sure. But still support the uh, kind of words that you've used on a screen and read it somewhere for people. I appreciate it. There's always a lot of quotes because I feel like I'm not trying to put my personal opinion into those. I want people to read what was said and what I found to be, you know, I guess there's a certain level of opinion in that because it's what I find to be important from those guys. But uh, I want you to know what the coaches are saying because you don't always get the opportunities with us around all the coaches uh, to hear exactly what was said and kind of parlay it into uh, the the topics of of the event. And so uh, it's just a little something I do each and every day. I do appreciate uh, you plugging it and uh, those that read it. And, and yeah, it's just um, some of it I do 
go back and talk about here on air because we have different types of audiences, but uh, I certainly enjoyed doing it. And uh, also a, th- a thank you to you, JJ, and also I know I do a movie Monday that uh, Brant Daughtry, who's back in the studio, always puts up on the website. Uh, I am inadequate in all things website <laughs> and inadequate in all things posting things, and so you guys always help me out with that, and I am appreciative of that. All right, here it is. It's a Wednesday edition of Sports Call here in just a few moments. We'll take a break and then be joined by our good buddy Jake Crane. But before we do that, i got to hear from Brooks Childress, uh, my best friend in the whole wide world, here with me at SEC Media Days on Radio Row. Mr. Childress. About face on how you've acted off off, uh, air so far this (laughs) week. There's been some comments that have been thrown around. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, When you said excitement is, you know, it's exciting and everything about day, you know, what, day three of SEC Media Days, I think it's just the delirium has finally set in, and we're just going on uh, adrenaline at this point. It is uh, not great. even Auburn Day. Either. Not even Auburn Day. We still got one more uh, one more day to go here at SEC Media Days, and that's the, our big day. And it's going to be a, a big day in general. Usually, the last day you get Auburn. Uh, that that's been the trend. But then you get thrown in with like Missouri and Kentucky or Vanderbilt and South Carolina or someone. This year, Texas A and M is on Thursday too. So it's two big still schools. Big names. And so it's Auburn. It's Texas A and M. And then who else is tomorrow? Tennessee. 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 So that's it's three pretty day. big programs yeah. tomorrow. So finishing out the day, the uh, the week with a bang, and can't wait to get there. Um, we've had some great conversations today, some great conversations to come on the program this afternoon, and uh, I can't wait to get to all of those. Can't wait to continue talking. We did have a fun time last night at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Grateful to uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, Stadium for putting that on for the, all the media here and getting a chance to go over there and check it out. And it's, it's interesting to see how the other half lives. Because I, I mentioned it last night, because it was in the Delta 360 Club, which is if you if you're familiar watching it on TV, that on-field club that you see behind the sidelines at Mercedes-Benz Stadium during Falcons games and college football games and such. That's where it was. It was down there. Usually, you know, I'm up either in the press box or we're up in the press box or up in the the nosebleeds up up at the top of the stadium. But it's uh, it was really nice to see how the other half lives and. I said it last night. I don't know if I can go back. Uh, it's pretty nice out there. But uh, can't wait to uh, have a great show for the rest of the afternoon. Did you enjoy your time with Tom Peavy? Yes, I always enjoy my time yeah. with Tom Peavy. You? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. He's the man. You should, Tom, he's the, Tom's Tom, the man. Tom, did you enjoy your time with Tom Peavy? <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah. Let's go to our first break of today's show. Why don't we take one here on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. Here we are, live from SEC Media Days Radio Road. J.J. Jackson with Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress. We'll get our buddy Jake Crane to hop on here with us. When we come back on the other side of this break, you're listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports call. Follow us on tweeters. Follow our sports call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back into Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM. 
and on the Tiger Communications app, live at SEC Media Days on Radio Row. Here, JJ Jackson, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Jake Crane here with us from Crane and Company. And it's always a blast when we get to see you, buddy. What's up, guys? It's always good to see you. Uh, this is my second media days. I feel like a vet now a little bit. Yeah. You know, I'm looking around at the rookies. He's paying for dinner, stuff like that. So, no, it's always good to run in, y'all. It's always fun to chat with you. I mean, you've been by the studio at this point mm-hmm. in Auburn, and now you're off and doing cool things. you got the new show going with the Daily Wire there with Crane and Company. And it seems like you guys have hit the ground running this week. Yeah, it's it's been unbelievable, uh, you know, Meeting up with with Ben and them, and we were in the middle of renegotiating with Cowherd, and and you know the Daily Wire has been expanding. Whether it's in movies, you've seen that uh, country music. You know John Rich has a label now over there, and, and they wanted to get into sports, and uh, you know it was honored for them to reach out. We just passed Disney and podcast downloads as a company yesterday, so it's it's through the roof right now. But just very blessed, man. You know, and and I appreciate the audience out there for giving us a chance. And and uh, you know when I started doing this, I didn't know anything like this was going to happen. Yeah. But once it got to a certain point, you know you you get shots in life and you got to take them you know like michael scott said when gretzky said you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take amen and look we're, we're talking here with you about everything that's happened over the mm-hmm. last 365 days and kind of what you got going on right now with the daily wire mm-hmm. with this new show it's cool to have the the sell the same guys that have been with you since day one are now still part of the squad for sure i mean having cone it's funny you know when when we went to atlanta when i when i had some investors move me to atlanta it was just me doing the show if you remember at the beginning and, and blame was helping out kind of you know executive producing whatever you want to call and i met conan atlanta and he was just had a video production company so that's it started out as audio we went to video and nobody knew when we went with cowherd and them and actually started doing the show out of the college football hall of fame that they were even going to be on the show the investors didn't know anybody didn't know and after we got done with the first show they i was wondering you know would they be mad or anything like that but they texted me like dude why haven't we been doing this the whole time yeah. so uh, it's been great to be there with my brother um you know that's it makes the arguments a little a little bit better and and cone obviously haven't played quarterback at Michigan and, and played, you know, being from the South and Statesboro, and, and uh, he's been a great ad as well. So it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. You're doing a home game this week. Then This is your former home. It is. You Obviously, know, you've relocated since, but now here we are back in the ATL. Yeah, it's funny, you know, walking in here and looking where we used to be set up and, and kind of going through it. It's just, it's happened so fast. I really haven't had time to, like, sit back and really, you know, kind of look at it and survey it because I think, you know, it's like a shark in the water. When you stop swimming, you die. So uh, that's kind of the way I've looked at it, you know. I'll, I'll look back when it's done, and, and you know, you, you take chances, like I said. So it's been uh, it's been a wild ride, and we're only getting started. So you can check us out. It's Crane and Company, C-R-A-I-N and Company, uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff. There you go. Well, let's get into some football let's talk. Since we're here for SEC Media Days, yeah. and obviously this is an Auburn show, we got to talk about Auburn. Brian Harson coming in tomorrow. Uh, your thoughts on Auburn, where they stand right now as we get ready to head into this new season? Well, you know me, guys. I'm, um, I always want Auburn to do well. Uh, I'll always be an Auburn fan. We're, we're, you know, I'm Kirk Crane's son. <laughs> but from there, born and raised there, went to Opelika High School. And uh, I look, and, and I almost somewhat feel bad for Brian a little bit because I talked about this today. You know, until Auburn gives a guy full control, like, we're going to be stuck in this cycle. I'm just telling you. Georgia has given Kirby full control. One of the reasons Kirby didn't come to Auburn, now that's not saying he wouldn't have left Auburn for Georgia. It's his alma mater. They gave him full control. All right, Nick Saban, full control. Brian Kelly has full control at LSU. Look at what happens when the A&M gave Jimbo full control. Until Auburn gives a head coach full control, we may have a one-off a couple years where we beat Bama. We may have a one-off where we beat Georgia. But being able to compete at that level where everything, whether it's behind the scenes, in the scene, before the scene, is controlled by the head coach, Billy 
Billy Napier handed Scott Strickland, I was talking with Chris Doring earlier, handed Scott Strickland a, a list of 30 things that I have to have and I have to be in control or I'm not coming. So Billy Napier has full control at Florida. Until Auburn's willing to do that, we're going to be caught up in this hamster wheel. And Brian Harson is a guy that's going to grind as much as anybody. I love the vision that he has for the program. But until you give a guy full control, it's not going to matter. When do you think that happens? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'd look, I'll, tell me where to go, and I'll try and do it. But, uh, again, until people that make these decisions make the decision to say, you know what? You know, Jesus, take the wheel. Let's give it to him and let him do it. We're not going to know. And that's not saying Auburn won't have success. Right. I'm not saying Auburn once every three or four years won't make a run because Auburn sells itself. It's a beautiful place. It's got beautiful people, and, and it deserves to have success. But to me, as an Auburn fan, like it's tough right now with Georgia and Bama, but it's not just tough because they're so good. It's tough because they have access to stuff that Brian Harson or any head coach at Auburn is not going to have access to. Even Gus didn't have full control. And you you know me, I wasn't the biggest Gus Malzahn fan in the world, but I'm smart enough to see that, and I've been in the business. And if you don't have control, how the hell am I supposed to steer the ship? And, and when you do have control, guess what? It's all on me. And all these head coaches want, because you have to have an ego to be in this business, especially yeah. at a high level. All these coaches want is just give me a chance. Give me a fighting chance. And the, and the higher-ups in Auburn have to do it. And if they don't, we're going to keep going through this hamster wheel. We don't do this very often because there's so many more factors in play. But if we just look at the roster and ignore everything else that Auburn has. I know there's still issues at quarterback and trying to find wide receivers as well, but just grading the roster, how does it compare to the other SEC schools? Well, again, I I hold Auburn to a high standard. I'm going to compare you against the top because the minute Auburn stops comparing themselves to Auburn and Alabama is the minute we don't have a shot. And we have to keep that standard high. I tell fans all the time, it's like, oh, well, it's okay, 7-5, 8-4. No, it's not okay. It may happen, but it's not okay. It's not acceptable. The reality, is Auburn going to win 10, 11 games every year? Probably not. But when I look at this roster, I always look up front. That's where the game's won and lost. You see guys like Jimbo Fisher and all these coaches trying to bridge that gap between Bama and now Georgia. It's up front. And it's not just your starting five on the offensive line. It's not the starting front seven on defense. It's the backups. It's your first seven to eight offensive linemen because we know the SEC's a battle of attrition. Out at wide receiver, it's who knows? Who knows right now? I know they've added some guys in the transfer portal. I think Tarvar Dawson's going to be the best one. At quarterback, there's a lot of unknowns. I think Zach Calzada is going to win the job. But I don't think Zach Calzada is a guy that can have minimal pieces around him and go do what Auburn fans expect Auburn to do. So I would give the roster right now a C plus. I think the defense is going to be a strength, but I worry about the depth. And when you start adding positions to a position that you don't know, quarterback, we know what Tank Bigsby is going to do. They're going to have to get him involved in the passing game. He's going to have to run more angles than a geometry teacher. So when when you look at the roster that Auburn has right now, it's a C plus, and it just goes to show you how vitriolic the Auburn-Alabama rivalry is that Auburn was able to stay that close last year without Bo Nix. Yeah. So it's he's fighting uphill. He is, and it just it is what it is at this point. Your comparisons are the best at what you do. It's a disorder, man. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> I got a photographic memory, so I can just remember everything. Which everybody's like, oh, that's so cool. No, it's not. <laughs> it's fifty percent cool. Uh, so. <laughs> My dreams, it's ridiculous. We're not getting to that. <laughs> All right, well, now, one question I was going to ask. Obviously, the schedule is what it is. Yeah. You've got to play at Georgia, at Alabama, along with everything else. 
how how vitally important is it for Brian Harson with all the smoke going on right now? How vitally important is that Penn State game? Because you know they're going to you're going to win the first two uh, it's unless huge. something crazy yeah. happens. It's huge, and I'm going to tell you. I think you know we're all Auburn fans. I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. Number one, they better focus on Mercer. Well, it's sure. Okay, like you better not even be looking at Penn State, and then San Jose State's coming to town. Now, this in the San Jose State on NCAA 14. That's like a two star. These guys have beat Brian Harson before at Boise. Some of the guys are still on that staff, so they got to take it one game at a time. But here's what's going to happen: Auburn's going to start out five and zero. Okay, they'll beat Penn State at home. They'll beat Missouri at home. They'll beat LSU at home, and all of a sudden, after the first five games, Brian Harson, Pat, die. Everybody, <laughs> forget the boosters. He did it. This man is everybody. Else. Then we're going to go to Georgia, and it's probably going to be ugly. Then we're going to go to Ole Miss, and it's probably going to be ugly. You can go ahead and fast forward. Probably end up seven and five. That's right. what I'm looking at right now. And that, that bowl game, that eighth game, I think may be a must win. And I hate to say that because I, I think Brian Harson can do it. I said that when, it, when they hired him. I like the outside-the-box hires. If you look at the hires that work most of the time, they're outside-the-box hires. I mean, Nick Saban's a Midwest guy. I'm going to go down the list of coaches that have had success that aren't from the area where they had success. It's not just Saban. So when, when I look at, at Auburn in the schedule, it feels like 7-5 and five to me. But I know Auburn is unbelievable at giving us hope. They'll give us hope and then pull the rug right out from under us. So they'll start out 5-0, and may end up 7-5. and I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I've watched Auburn my whole life. Uh, you know, the landscape this year in the SEC is not getting any easier, Tom, yeah. when you look around. So uh, it's, it's going to be tough. I, I got them 7-5, and but, again, I, I hope I'm wrong. So, so basically, if Auburn fans want to know how the season goes, they can go a few miles down the road and get on a roller coaster at Six Flags. That's exactly right. But, again, every Auburn <laughs> fan out there, most of them, that at least have followed Auburn their whole life, are nodding their head right now saying, you know what, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> we haven't gotten off the roller coaster. <laughs> That's true. We, yeah, it's a, again, it's like, it's like purgatory was a theme park. <laughs> What about Bruce Pearl? Though? At least he's getting oh, well, first a little off, bit. First, yeah, yeah. Hold on, we're not talking about basketball. Even though I was kind of upset, uh, you know, about Miami, I hated that for the team. But Bruce Pearl, uh, again, we're you know, I know we were talking about the King. I mean, King Pearl, what what he's done at Auburn. And I, I say this, you know, it's tough for Harson right now. But if you look, Butch Thompson and and Bruce Pearl, so it is good. the golden era of Auburn basketball and Auburn baseball. And I just, I know Auburn does a really good job of loving those guys up, but what Bruce and Butch have been able to do, now Omaha is expected. It's the standard. I remember going up, remember when Tim Hudson took us to Omaha, you remember we had this, now it's the standard. In basketball, we were the number one ranked team in the country. Yeah. In the country. If you'd have told me that when I was watching Rob Chubb and the rest of the YMCA guys we had out there playing, I would have put you on the first boat to Shutter Island. So now that what Bruce has done is amazing. Build the statue, hell, build two of them, name the Coliseum after them, Neville Pearl Arena, whatever the heck you want to call it. Uh, that dude is a witch of the highest order. So we want the Killer Bees to be in effect, you know, Bruce, Butch, and Brian. Yeah, I, I mean, that to be going. Yeah, it's. I, I hope I hope Brian Hartson can get it going. Well, well, sure, I hope he does too, but here's my thing. You would have to imagine, this is now we're kind of swinging all the way back to what we talked about at the beginning. You have to imagine Bruce Pearl's got full control of that program. Oh, he does have full control. You think but Butch Thompson probably has full control of full that Full control. Why the hill does Brian Harson not that have full control when because, well, well, because, again, we have to remember, football boosters and basketball boosters are different guys. Like, a lot of these guys, there's some carryover, yeah. there's some crossover, but think about it. When Bruce Pearl came to Auburn basketball and he asked Auburn basketball full control, where was Auburn basketball at? They just hired a guy coming off a of show cause. So he had all the leverage, really, and, and Auburn could say, you know what? We haven't figured this out. Auburn's had success in football. They've had some good success in baseball. Look where Butch Thompson came from. He came, When Mississippi State was the hottest thing on the block, 
talk in baseball when he came over there. So it's totally different. I don't think you can compare the three. And then football, we know, is elevated to a different standard. And that's a different amount of money, too, that we're talking about. And the egos of these guys. That's the thing. If you control football, that's like controlling the grain as the king. Like, you control everything. You control the city. So football controls the city. I think it's a little bit different. You mentioned Tavares Dawson a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Who are other young guys on Auburn football's roster in 2022 that we need to talk about this year? You know, as far as breakout players, and, and guys are going to get get a shot. And I know the tight end room has some older guys and some younger guys, but I think you're going to see Auburn. Auburn may have the best tight end room it's had in a long, long time. And I know Brian Harson knows that, and he's going to feature them. I'm interested to see how some of the young linemen that are growing up do. But really, outside of Tarval, I mean, Jarquez Hunter's already shown me. I know he's coming off an, a knee injury. That kid's already shown me he can do it. He, he, he was an elite as a freshman. If you really go back and watch... I don't know if there's a guy outside of Tarvarish that I'm looking at and going, this kid I think can be a game breaker. And and it worries me. It's it's worrisome. Now, defensively, you do return some experience. There are some young guys they're mixing in, in the background. But I don't think there's there's a ton of young guys. And, I, and again, I hope they burst on the scene and I'm 100% wrong. But I think the veteran, this is going to be a very veteran-heavy team. And so, really, Tarvarish to me is the only one I'm looking at going, this guy I think could be elite. I, I'm, I'm talking about, like, top shelf, one of the best wide receivers that Auburn's had in a long time. And don't forget, he played corner as well in high school. Do you know how many completions he gave up in high school his senior year? I think he gave up two. Two? Two wow. completions a whole year. I'm just saying, this guy's a little bit different, and he's got elite speed. Let's take a quick look at the whole S- SEC. and mm-hmm. I-, I think it's safe to say Alabama and Georgia at the top, pretty safe. Uh, but the, I've been asking this question all week because the SEC West below Alabama, I mean, I understand Texas A&M has a lot of talent, but they've, except aside from one year, they've really not lined that talent up very successfully. And it feels like you've got zero teams that are just easy wins for the other. Other teams it, two through seven seems pretty interchangeable. How are you kind of feeling out the all these teams that, that seem like they're a player here or a player there from from catapulting the rest? Yeah, I think AM's a year away. If, if you fast forward to 23, they're going to return all their offensive linemen and all their defensive linemen. Now, Max Johnson, I think, is going to be the guy. I think that was a very sneaky, sneaky pickup for them. I'm, I'm not a Haynes King believer. I think AM, you're looking at nine and three and getting ready for that next year to really make a push. They could possibly be the number preseason number one team in the country in 2023 the team i'm looking at in the west guys because i got three teams going four and four in the in the sec west i got armor going four and four i got a&m going four and four i think a&m goes zero and three to start the season look at those first three games then i've got uh, uh ole miss going four and four as well arkansas to me is the team to watch out of the west you they're one of eight teams in power five that return both coordinators and quarterbacks and their quarterback kj jefferson who to me with will rogers maybe two of the most underrated guys in the country when you look at that offensive line st john at your bookend tackle he's a heck of a player Stromberg moved to center, uh, and I don't worry about Arkansas's offensive line, but on defense, you return Barry Odom, who had to patchwork that defense. There's a reason they're playing a 4-2-5, guys, because they were having to put a bunch of DBs in there and try and witchcraft and wizardry their way to stop you because they didn't have the depth up front. But I look at Barry Odom coming back with bumper pool in that front seven, and then Jordan Catalan in the back end. You have experience, you have coordinators returning, and Arkansas believes. It's one thing for somebody to say, hey, we believe we're going to Clark League and come out here and say Vanderbilt's going to have the best program in the country. I get it. But <laughs> It's another thing for the guys in that locker room to be able to look at Bama and look at these other teams and say, you know what, we're not afraid of them. And that's what Sam Pittman's unbelievable at. He has a genuine belief in those guys, and those guys genuinely believe in him. And when you mix that together with the talent they have, with the experience they, they, they bring back and how physical their identity is, watch out for Arkansas. i got them going 9-3. and three. Seems like a lot of people are buying into 
Sam Pittman and what he can do Perfect there at fit, Arkansas. Man. He's good right. dude. I mean, he's a great dude. Another team in the SEC West to mention. Again, we're chatting with Jake Crane here from Crane & Company. Mm-hmm. Mike Leach and the Mississippi State yep. Bulldogs. You just had him on your show. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> yeah, we just dropped it uh, at, at 2 Central. You know, we, t- we talked a little bit of football. We talked a little bit about Will Rogers and how deep the SEC is. But, you know, we asked him. You know, we talked about robots taking over the world for a while. He's big on that. One of his buddies in Wyoming shot a drone with a shotgun. He talked about that for about eight minutes. But, you know, the thing about Mike Leach that's funny to me is, like, we, we went in there with a couple topics we were going to talk about. I wanted to make sure we talked a little bit of football. But when you talk to Mike Leach, man, it's, it's almost like sitting around talking to, like, you know, I, I grew up around older people. So, you know, my dad used to take me to, to sports bars and stuff like that, and I'd listen to him and former players talking. They're just hilarious. Mike Leach kind of reminds me of that vibe because Mike Leach is truly Mike Leach, and, and he's hilarious. I mean, he told Cone, Cone's got an 11-month-old, and he's starting to get mobile. And he asked him about it, and, and Mike Leach said his son was training his kid with a laser pointer on the ground. The kid's just running after it. He's like, he's got him doing cone drills with it. So David went and bought a laser pointer last night. I mean, his kid's already wearing two-year-old clothes. He's six foot seven. So if I was Harson, then I'd go ahead and offer him now. <laughs> we were talking a little bit earlier about Coach Harson and SEC Media Days last year was, as you said, your mm-hmm. first trip there. And Tom brought up the fact that uh, after we spoke with Harson last year, oh, yeah. you got a chance to chat with him. And within 15 seconds, you're breaking down the defense. And Coach Harson yeah. was kind of like, whoa. Well, you know, again, and, and these coaches are so busy. They're probably not looking in, uh, you know, guys' pass and, and stuff like that. But, again, I'm, I've been in it. You know, I tell people if I was a, a chef for nine years at a high level, I'd probably have a pretty good chef podcast. So I, I always get enjoyment out of the coaches when they come on because, you know, a lot of times, and this isn't a knock on anybody, you do interviews, and a lot of the questions are generic. You know, how's the run game going to be? You know, how, how do you guys feel about the defensive line? Well, when I get you on there, let's talk about the difference between shotgun and center how's Bo Nix being able to see the safeties rotate how much is that helping them and you know looking at protections how much you having to slide now in the SEC because the defensive ends are so good so I think you know my goal all the time with the show or, or when I'm interviewing is, is why the slogans win the water cooler is I, I want fans to learn something from it not that I have all the answers I don't have all the answers but I got some of them uh, I, I want our fans of the show to learn something but I don't want to you know I don't want to be like I'm speaking a foreign language where you can understand it because we really started talking it and we started using the terminology you know, it'd be like me trying to go read Braille. I don't know what the hell I'm touching. So, uh, no, that, that's kind of something we've always had, and, and I've always enjoyed, you know, whether it's Pollock or any of those guys that come on. We kind of get down in the nitty-gritty a little bit. So I, I think that's something that separated us. But, yeah, Brian was a little bit uh, uh, surprised when I asked taking him Taking aback. Yeah, <laughs> taking aback a little bit. But, no, it was, it was good stuff, and we're hoping to get him on tomorrow as well. So I may ask him a little bit about defense this year. There you go. Jake, thanks for stopping by. It's always good to see you, man. JJ, it's great to see you guys. Uh, you know how much I love what y'all are doing. And uh, Abby Award winners. Shout out to Abby Award That's winners. Right. You know, showing some love over here. No Trevon uh, Reed this year, but we're yeah, still look, doing look, it. Look, T Reed's doing his thing. Love T Reed. It's a great, great fit. Uh, wish Trevon nothing but success. What a beautiful family and a beautiful person. And he chose Auburn when everybody else was going to LSU. Don't forget that. He's from, he's from the state of Louisiana. He chose Auburn and in front of LSU, and that's a lot to ask a kid. But uh, I appreciate you guys as usual and just let me know. That's all right. That's Jake Crane from Crane & Company. Let's take our next commercial break. This is Sports Call Tiger 95.9 FM. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome
Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM in the Auburn area. J.J. Jackson with Tom Peavy. And now we are so thrilled to be joined in person at SEC Media Days by our good friend Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Tony, how are you? I'm good, guys. I'm just happy to have a home game. Yeah. Right, I'm here. I get to sleep in my own bed. I got to see my grandson yesterday before I drove down here, and uh, it's good. I get to go home, have a little dinner, and, uh, and come back and do it all again tomorrow. Has the College Football Hall of Fame always been something that you enjoy coming by and visiting and just kind of reminiscing on some yeah, of the great moments? I had a chance to do some work in the original planning stages of the Hall of Fame. They asked me to do some some writing treatments and stuff like that. So some of the stuff, some of the words you see up here, I actually got a chance to put here. So I'm, yeah, this is uh, this is a big deal. I had been to the College Football Hall of Fame in South Bend, Indiana, and I love the people there. But you know, South South Bend's got a place you you, you got to want to be there. Right. <laughs> you know, Atlanta is, is a destination city where a lot of people come up to do the aquarium and the Braves and the, everything that's going on here. So this is a to me. Given our history with college football, this is where the Hall of Fame should be. And with that said, I mean, here we are talking about SEC Media Days, football right around the corner. You're here on behalf of the Dodd Trophy as well, given out for uh, the top head coach in the world. And uh, in this sport, I should say, it's got to be a tough award each and every year. So many good candidates, it feels like. Well, it is because the, the Dodd Trophy is a little bit different uh, than most Coach of the Year awards. Most Coach of the Year awards reward a guy who's had a great season and done a good job coaching his team. Well, that's part of that's only part of it for the Dodd Trophy. We take into account uh, with the three pillars that Coach Dodd, the legendary Bobby Dodd from Georgia Tech, believed in scholarship, leadership, and integrity. And the coach has got to have all those. Uh, what does his team do academically? What does his, what do his players do? What does he do from a community um, uh, give back standpoint, uh, uh, support? And, uh, and, 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 and we spend a lot of time going over what the coaches have done uh, and we meet as a board in December to pick the winner. But it, it's different in that it's more than just the game. It's about off the field, the way the coach conducts himself uh, with scholarship, leadership, and integrity. And then this year with it being in Atlanta, as you said, Bobby Dodd, all his years at Georgia Tech were, what, a, a drive away from, from Bobby Dodd Stadium yep. uh, where the Yellow Jackets play to be in Atlanta for all this too. Yeah, and, and, and this, this is a year – I'm helping out the Dodd Trophy people because you guys were going to be here. All the radio row was going to be. They said this is a great time to promote the Dodd Trophy, and uh, I'm more than happy to help them do that. So let's talk Auburn football. They've got a head coach. Brian yep. Marson, has, he's getting set for his second year, and uh, we saw how crazy the offseason was uh, with all the crazy reports that were out there. It's always interesting for us, the outsiders kind of looking in, to what the scene and the, the pulse of Auburn football is like for Coach Harson, Where are you sitting in all of this? Welcome to the SEC, Coach. <laughs> <clears throat> it's different here. Somebody said, uh, it just means more. Did I, did I read that somewhere? It's tough. It, it, it's a tough job, and that Auburn is a tough job for obvious for a lot of different reasons. Auburn's had a lot of success over the years. Last year did not go well. When you start out 6-2, and two, you say, well, worse we're going to be is 8-4. and four. And it didn't work out that way. And you lose to Alabama in a game that Auburn could have easily won. And that is just a soul-crunching loss. No kidding. It really gets you down in your core. So all the stuff that went on in the offseason, if you're a fair-minded person, you didn't like to see that. And now, by the way, he's got, well, Coach, we're going to let you stay, but go recruiting and <laughs> have fun. So 
I, I wish Brian Harson well, uh, but have you looked at the schedule? Yeah. Right. Have you looked at the schedule? Yeah, you got to play everybody in the West that you always have to play. That's no different. But guess what? You get to play Georgia every year, and they're pretty good. They all, they're only the defending national champs. And, oh, by the way, Penn State was going to drop by and see us during the yeah. course of the year. So it, even if Auburn is a better team and Brian Ho- Harson coaches them at a very high level, it's hard to see how they're going to improve 7-5, maybe, maybe. Right. It's hard to see. And what does, that, what does that mean? You guys know a lot more about it than I do. Uh, when you're looking at that schedule, obviously the first two games, cupcake games, should mm-hmm. win those. With everything that happened in the offseason and the way the fans are still talking now because the recruiting is not really going all that great comparatively, mm-hmm. how absolutely critical is that Penn State game for Brian Harson? Now, obviously, you got LSU right after that, but that seems like the first big one where fans can either jump ship for good or maybe give somebody a little bit of hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Well, it's critical because it's at home. Okay, right. and, and if, if you don't play well in front of the home folks against your first major test, the grumbling's going to start. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no getting around that. How you react to it is another thing, but the grumbling is going to start. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very tough schedule. But, you know, I agree with you. That Penn State it, game is crucial. You talk about some of the best atmospheres in college football. Auburn got to experience the wideout there at, uh, yeah. at, at Penn State this past season. Now they get to return the trip and come down to the SEC. Over your years, what have you appreciated out speaking to our Auburn audience about sort of those game day atmospheres at Jordan-Hare? I've seen a lot of games at Auburn, uh, dating back to my undergrad days at Georgia in 1984. I think I did my first. First of all, Georgia-Auburn is my favorite game. Yeah. It has always been my favorite game for a lot of different reasons and that's why I'm, I'm, I, I want to if we go to a, a 1-7 scheduling model if we stick with eight games I don't like that idea because I don't I don't want Georgia Auburn to go away even for a year you know right. people say it's going to rotate so that that's my quick uh, soapbox moment on Georgia Auburn uh, but the atmosphere there I've seen so so many great games there and what was interesting is I was supposed to be at the kick six game. Now, true story, I'll tell you guys. I'm, yeah. I'm, suppo- I'm working for CBS. I'm supposed to be at the kick six game. Uh, and my granddaughter, who, was, who had, was less than two years old, got sick. She, she was fine and all that. But we did have to take her to the hospital and figure out some things. And I called CBS. I said, hey, guys. Uh, Family I'm, first. I, I, yeah. I'm, 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 until I know what's wrong with my granddaughter, at that time, we didn't know what was wrong with her. I said, I, there's no way I'm coming to Auburn and get in, the, get in that traffic and have to get out of there in a hurry. And CBS was great. They, were, they totally understood. My man Dennis Dodd had, was somewhere else in the country and had to catch a flight and catch it and get there. But, but that was an incredible atmosphere. Sure. I mean, just that whole thing. Uh, I was there when, uh, you know, Terry Bowden's first year when they beat, when they beat Alabama to finish undefeated. That was as exciting thing as I've ever seen. And, of course – the 89 game, the 89 game was still the most emotional day. Of, of do, I've done this 46 years. It was still, it is still the most emotional football game I've ever seen. I went down to the Tiger Walk and was just standing there in the Tiger Walk and grown men were crying. <laughs> That's how emotional that day was. So Jordan Hare has given, has been great to me in my life and career. It's just some incredible moments. Well, another place that's been great to you, you mentioned Georgia. Uh, obviously, Georgia has been a big part of, of, uh, of your career. 
How big was this past year with Georgia finally getting that monkey off their back? Well, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I've got three of my fraternity brothers, and every year we go to the Georgia-Florida game together. And we tailgate, and we play golf, and we tell lies about our misspent youth and exaggerate how handsome we were. And we do, we do all those things. And so I told them, I said, now, boys, I said, if Georgia gets to the national championship game, we are going. And for the first time, for the second time in 35 years, I'm not going to sit in the press box. Right. I'm going to sit in the stands with you. So that's what happened. We got there. Uh, it was an incredible night. And when Georgia won the game, somebody's grandmother – uh, grab me and hug me and I, I i'm eternally grateful to whoever she is uh that it was just a great great uh atmosphere and yeah it was a i called home my wife didn't go to georgia but her father taught at georgia right my daughter has two degrees from georgia undergrad and a law degree and they i called home to check in and they're both crying they, they there's it's <laughs> it was such an emotional thing uh, one of my attorney brothers, we're sitting in the stands taking pictures and all that, and he's crying. He said, 41 years is a long yeah. time to wait. So, yeah, it was – and I still – weeks after the game was over, I still had Georgia fans coming up to me saying, man, did that just – did that really happen? <laughs> and I said, yeah, it did. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it did. It's, and I, I went to Auburn, got my degree, but I grew up a Georgia fan, started going to Georgia games in 82. Yep. So, from 82 to 98. I grew up in Sanford Stadium. Right. So even though I'm now Auburn, I, I, I got what you felt. I mean, it, 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 it still, even though I'm kind of out of the Georgia thing, I, I understood it because I lived that for so many years right. that how hungry the dog fans were for something well, like that. Well, and over the course of those 41 years, Georgia had been in position. I mean, Georgia won the national championship in 80. Right. They were in position to win it again in 1982, yeah. which, which might have been Vince Dooley's best team. Herschel Walker was a junior. His right. his last year, they lose to Penn State in the Sugar Bowl yeah. for the national championship. Obviously, they, they had a number of other opportunities to win national championship. They lost to Alabama on a walk-off touchdown pass in right. 2017. So it's not like Georgia had not been competitive. They had been there. They just came up short every time. So to, to finally – let's put it that the, the Kaylee Ringo interception at the end of the game that ran back, people people weren't even hugging. They were taking beer and just throwing it up in the <laughs> air. It was just because then you because as soon as that happened, you knew yeah. the game was over and they were going to win. Well, and now the million dollar question: Do they do it again this year? They're good enough to do it again. They are now. Let's let's be honest. Their defense cannot possibly be as good. Right. You're talking about a defense that lost five five first round draft choices. Uh, but they're still very good because they recruited at a very, very high level. My question is not physical. My question is mental. All right. I've had this conversation with Nick Saban a bunch of times, and he says the toughest thing to do as a coach is to convince a, guy, a group of guys who achieved a goal they'd been pursuing – and then say you got to work harder next year. Right. You got to work harder. You can't work it. You got to work harder. And he said that is counterintuitive the way human beings react. Yep. Once they achieve a goal, they tend to relax and enjoy the goal. Uh, but you you don't do that in competitive athletics because you've got another season to go. Right. So I think Georgia is good enough to do it. I think you look at their schedule. I think they play Oregon in the opener, and assuming things go well there, their schedule sets up nicely. Uh, the SEC East is good, but there's just a talent gap between Georgia and everybody else. So I think they're good enough to do it. I think they'll play Alabama in the SEC championship game again. I'll be right. stunned if they're both not un- if they're if they're both not undefeated. I will be absolutely right. stunned. 
Well, and of course, we're SEC media days. Everybody's talking about Georgia and Alabama as the favorites. But when you kind of look at the rest of the college football world, who else do you see that can make some noise in there? I guess, obviously, Ohio State or is somebody they talk about. Oh, yeah. About, I mean, but. Ohio State, from a talent standpoint, they've got the quarterback. They've got the depth. They've got all of that. Is Clemson that kind of team? you got to tell me how their quarterback's going to play, right. what kind of quarterback play they'll get. Defensively, they'll be good, even though Brett Venables is now at Oklahoma. Uh, but, yeah, I, I – you know what? I, I think Georgia and Alabama are going to play again yeah. for the national championship. I really do I, yeah. because you just look at the town. You know, Ohio State could upset that. I understand that. But I think I think they will do it. And, uh, boy, you think they'll sell all the tickets. If Georgia and Alabama play again, <laughs> the, the only problem is this time it would be in Los Angeles. Ah. Oh, man. Ah. <laughs> But the third national title meeting between those two teams, I mean, this would this would settle it. One-one well, that, split. I mean, that would, that, oh, we need parity in college football. <laughs> This would settle it. <laughs> Tony Barnhart's here with us. Mr. College Football is, again, we're here at SEC Media Days. A lot of change going on in the sport with mm-hmm. conference realignment, name, image, likeness. The transfer portal is crazy. Where is the sport headed over the next five, ten years? Well, the, the sport, we're gonna, it's going to change. One of the things that Commissioner Sankey said yesterday, he told his coaches, he said, guys, it will never again be the same. But it doesn't have to be what it is now with back, backbiting and all that kind of stuff. We're going to work our way through name, image, and likeness, but it's, it's not going to happen fast because we've got, we've got a leadership void at the top of college athletics. NCAA right. is on the side of a milk carton somewhere because we don't know where they are. Uh, they've got to come up with some sort of infor- – the key word that Commissioner Sankey said, we need a set of enforceable guidelines. That's the key word. And how do you do that? Where does that come from? I think the transfer portal is going to be fine. I think they're going to they're going to come up with some windows, probably two windows a year that you can do it, and that will work out. Uh, what's the college football playoff going to look like? I'm hoping it's 12 teams because if it's 12 teams, I think the SEC can afford to go to a nine-game conference right. schedule, which I think would be best for the fans and certainly better for the TV partners. But but until you tell me what the playoffs going to look like, I'm not ready to commit to playing nine conference games. Because that makes it more difficult to get there, and um, so you know we will we will see. But look, here's the irony, guys. Here's the irony of all of this. While the SC, while the college football is going through all this change and all this uncertainty, and while this is going on, the game on the field is better than it's ever been. The game on the field is incredible. Good point. I mean, so many great players and so many. It's, and so we're going to work it out because we've got to work it out because the game is too good. Not to uh, not to help help get it where it needs to be, but I will say the NIL is a sticky wicket. We got yeah. a bunch of work to do on that one. No kidding, no kidding. What are you up to these days when you're not writing and talking about college football? How does how does Tony Barnhart unwind in 2022? I've got two grandchildren. That'll which, do it. Which is all I need, <laughs> and that's all I need to stay as busy as I want to be. Uh, one is ten, uh, Sloan, the mighty Sloan, we call her, and Bo is two. He's our pandemic baby who came in August of uh, 2020. And so I spend as much time as I can with them. Uh, I play golf, but I play it so poorly I don't want to hurt people, <laughs> so I have to be careful there. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, – but, it's you know, it's time to crank up. I mean, this this means it's – you know, my wife says summer's over. I said, yep, it is. It is for all of us who cover college football, summer's right. over. As an Atlanta guy, is it fair to say you're a Braves fan? 
I love the Braves. Okay. Love the Braves. And they I, celebrated a World I Series, and so now they're back on a big run. Well, and the way that they did it. I mean, they, yeah. were, they were given up for dead, and they go out and pick up four or five more pieces to <laughs> enhance their team, and they were the best team in baseball down the stretch. It was great. Tony, so good to see you always. Thanks for taking some time to chat with us. All right, guys. Be good. That's Tony Barnhart here at SEC Media Days. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Clive here at SEC Media Days as hour number two gets started here on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. You're listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn here on Tiger 95.9 FM. My name is J.J. Jackson with Brooks Childress, Ryan LaVoy, and Tom Peavy. You've already heard from some really great guests. Jake Crane stopped by a little bit earlier and Tony Barnhart as well. Mr. College Football, as he's known. In a few moments, David Cutcliffe will join the show and Gary Stoke. And, I mean, we say it every day here at Media Days, but, man, we've got everybody coming by the show. Yeah, it, it has just been a phenomenal stream of people coming through. I mean, it, it's, you know, there's been parts uh, where I haven't been made. I've In past years, I've made it over to uh, the electronic media room and to hear some of the interviews. I haven't been able to get over there this uh, this time this uh, so far this year. I'll probably try to get over there tomorrow during the Auburn segments of stuff to hear what's ha- uh, asked over there. But, um, yeah, we've had so many great guests just constantly streaming through our table, and it's been a great uh, a great time to talk to everybody. So much fun for sure. And again, a great conversation coming your way with David Cutcliffe. He's now the special assistant to the commissioner for football relations, former Duke head coach, former Ole Miss head coach, Tennessee volunteers assistant for many, many years. So uh, really looking forward to uh, having that conversation here today on the show. And then Gary Stoken, he's the Peach Bowl CEO. He's going to stop by Sports Call here today. It's a lot of work here when we go to SEC Media days but uh, man a really cool experience and we're grateful to be here yeah we have a uh, a lot of interviews today and we've really kind of ramped things up here uh over the last day or so we started a little calmer on monday but uh 
have a lot of people. And then, of course, we hope to have a lot of people tomorrow as, as well. And uh, we believe we will. But, yeah, we're, uh, you know, that's why you come here to talk to people that you haven't seen in a while and to get all the latest information on the conference, but also to talk uh, for our show to a lot of people involved in the conference and that know a lot about the conference. And so uh, we're, we've been trying to do as much of that as possible, and uh, it's really ramped up here. Yeah, the, the only downside is that we can't get everybody. Right. And, and that's the one thing. that, is that There's so many people here. I mean, for, for those of you out there that are listening that – don't understand the people the 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 amount and quality of people that you know that you see on tv all the time that are just roaming around us and it's like oh my gosh there's so-and-so let's try to get them oh my gosh there's so-and-so even ones that are not milling around it's like paul feinbaum we had him on last year yeah let's try to get feinbaum but i mean they the and but the same thing is with all the radio guys, all the TV guys, they're also trying to get them. Right. So, I mean, the, they're... The, there are the, 36 radio shows the ones here that, this right. year. It's the, huge. The ones that, are, that would, I guess, be your, quote-unquote, celebrities that everybody is very familiar with, your former coaches, former players, and your uh, big-time TV personalities, everybody wants to talk to them. We're not the only ones that want to talk to them. Everybody's trying to get them. And, unfortunately, we can't get everybody we want to get on here. And I wish we could because, like I said, there's just so many people walking around here that you would recognize that we desperately try to get on here. And here's the challenge that we're going to try to live out over the next few days and uh, weeks with sports calls. We get set for football season. That is, of course, right around the corner. Once we leave here, we pride ourselves on continuing to have great conversations with folks throughout the year. 365 days worth of chats, and uh, it's always fun to make these connections at SEC Media Days because the next thing you know, guys, it turns into rather frequent segments that we can have folks on the program to talk about anything going on in the sports world. Well, Ryan McGee is one of those. Yeah. We, we've had him, and I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, was it our, not our first time ever talking to him at SEC Media Days, and then we've just kind of turned that into yep. a periodic thing, and you know, he had some great things to say about us in the show. Yeah. And... and if you missed you know. it yesterday, go back and listen to it on our podcast. That's for sure. All right, let's take our first break of the second hour of Sports Call here today. And then again, on the other side of this commercial break, David Cutcliffe stops by the radio show. You're going to laugh at some of the things you hear. He's got quite the sense of humor. Really fun chat with Coach Cutcliffe right after this. This is Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into Sports Call here at Radio Row, SEC Media Days 2022 in Atlanta. And now we're thrilled to be joined by David Cutcliffe here with us. Coach, how are you? How are things? Well, I am good, and I'm thrilled to, to be in Auburn, Alabama, and not having to be an opponent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they talk a lot about different stadiums in volume, and you hear Baton Rouge and the Swamp. And let me tell you, the great fans at Auburn, okay, I went in there as the enemy quite sure. a few times. Oh, my goodness, communication on offense. And um, 
the, the great history of football there and, and so many friends I have that that played it at Auburn and friends I had that went to Auburn. I have nothing but great respect. So anytime I get invited to Auburn yeah. via virtually over air or whatever, I'm coming. So well, count on it. We're excited to talk about uh, your career so far. I mean, look what you were able to do at, at Tennessee in all those years and Ole Miss, many stops with the Auburn Tigers and then 14 seasons there at Duke. I wanted to bring up games inside Jordan-Hare Stadium in particular because as an opposing coach, that atmosphere is something crazy. Let's start at the get-go. What fascinates me is that when you talk about a football game at Auburn, everyone wants to bring up the eagle flight, but that's always when the team's in the locker room in a way and that sort of thing. Like, you never really experienced no, that, Coach, did I you? No, I didn't. And, and to a football coach, there's, there's two things. Pre-game can get ugly for an opponent. There's an intimidation factor mm-hmm. when student sections feel early. Right. So when you have a student section that doesn't have assigned seating, those guys and gals come in there and they're feeling pretty good and they <laughs> they create a, a bad atmosphere there. And then for a football coach, it's kind of after the opening kickoff or during the opening kickoff, you realize this is going to be a tough day. Uh, Communication is a big part of being successful. And quite frankly, you make it hard. They really do. And officials aren't going to help you. You can turn and look for help all you want. But, hey, war dang eagle, I'm going to say. <laughs> there you, you know, go. You know you're there. Yeah, no doubt about that. Well, let's talk about some of those matchups in particular. Anytime you talk to, to Auburn folks uh, about your career at Ole Miss and Eli Manning as well, they bring up all those trips that uh, you and Eli took over to uh, Jordan-Hare. Yeah, we were very fortunate to, to have some good games yeah. there. And um, it's not easy. And, of course, it helps to have Eli Manning and a few more good football players make key plays. And, you know, what's great about the Southeastern Conference is that, you know, championships are won at the end of the season. Games are won in the fourth quarter in the SEC. And those games we had in in Jordan-Hare Stadium were just that. They were classic Southeastern Conference football games. Uh, You can always have two well-coached teams. Uh, It certainly doesn't always end the way the fans want it to end. I understand that. But you learn to appreciate our conference and what it stands for and what lessons those young people learn losing as well as winning. Um, When you're in the arena – you don't. You can't ever let one loss turn into two losses. So becoming uh, a person of perseverance and a person that can look forward and not, you know, there's a reason that that rearview mirror is really small and the windshield's big, <laughs> and you remind players of that. So there's a lot of greatness that's occurring right in front of your eyes. And I know, you know, I, I'm a romantic when it comes to that, but it's why I love the game so much. And appreciate the fact of what those kids are doing on the field, both teams. I know that's hard. Yeah. Particularly if it's, you know, an Alabama-Auburn game. I know y'all don't care about (laughs) what's happening on that Alabama side. But, yeah, and, and that's good, too. That's just the way you're supposed to pick a team and support them. 
Coach, we I know it's only been a few months, but we've gotten through spring ball. We're here at SEC Media Days previewing the next season. Has the, the itch to get back into coaching already hit, or are you, you satisfied right <laughs> no, now? No, every day. I'm sorry, you know, but I don't know that that's going to happen. I think I'm having a, a lot of fun, for one, but I'm having some form of an effect, even if it's small, for helping administrators understand what coaches are thinking. I told Commissioner Sankey that, in this role, I'm not going to think like an administrator. I'm going to think like a coach. So if I'm talking to, I just saw Sam Pittman walk by. If I'm talking to Coach Pittman, he's going to lose trust if I'm talking to him any other way than as a friend and a coach. And you know, I've known Brian Harson, and that's been a tough start. But I've known Brian when when he's come in to visit us at Duke when when he was at Boise, and I know the quality of coach. I know the quality of person. You know, we talked before he took the Auburn job, and I said, you know, you're not in – I'm using the Wizard of Oz. Hey, we're not in Kansas anymore, yeah. you know. Um, it's it's a unique thing to learn the Southeastern Conference. But character, good, solid coaching, surrounding yourself with winners still works. And, and, and I'm pulling hard for – Coach Harson and the and the Auburn Tigers. I'm going to win every week now yeah. in the role I've got. Exactly, so. exactly. I want to get to that role. I want to continue our conversation here with with Brian Harson, chatting now with David Cutcliffe here on Radio Row at SEC Media Days, talking about Coach Harson and the season that just ended. Year one ended on a tough five game losing streak, but at one point the Tigers were six and two. The quarterback gets hurt, and Bo Nix and things are so different. And what I think is so important to remind folks and why Auburn fans in particular were so excited about the hire initially is you look back at the last decade in college football, Saban won, Dabo Sweeney two, and then Brian Harson had the third best winning percentage of all those coaches. And it was not an accident. He and I have sat down and shared um, offensive thoughts. Uh, I knew his staff, uh, many of them well, <clears throat> what their philosophies were in uh, in coaching defense, kicking game, offense, how, how a head coach runs a program. I mean, we shared all of it. And, um, I, and I, when I finished visiting with him, I pulled a lot of things from him. was extremely impressed with their program. And um, one year doesn't make a coach, and really four years doesn't necessarily make a coach. You, if you don't build a program, the environment we have with the name, image, and likeness and portal has made it more difficult to build a program to get people to buy in within your program. Players, coaches, everybody, people are, you know, jumping ship much more readily than ever. And so I think the fan base becomes more important. And I'm not preaching to you all that are Auburn fans, but if you're going to have a program, players and coaches need to feel deep-seated support. That's a big part of a player being happy, knowing that he's playing in front of the best fans in America that are going to be there for him when it doesn't go well, and they're certainly going to be celebrating with them when it does go well. Anytime you leave a, a, a season where you're on a losing streak, and particularly a heartbreaking loss to your number one rival, that's not easy. You know, not easy for fans, players, coaches, no administrators. So um, yeah, I'm 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 there for coach. Um, I I know Kess well. I know the kind of people sure. they are. 
and um, I've been on trips with them with Nike, you know, in the yeah. past. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, that's part of my job. You ask, what am I doing? I'm, I'm visiting with coaches one-on-one. I'm, I'm visiting with their operations people. I'm going to go by the equipment rooms and say, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> you know, tell me, tell me what's happening here and, you know, be available to anybody in anybody's program. I'm not a fan of any team, and sure. I can easily say that. It's been – I went to Alabama, but that was – I'm old. You know, <laughs> that was a long time ago. So I'm, I'm just here for the – as a resource in any way I can be for all 14 programs. Well, the title is special <laughs> assistant to the commissioner for football relations. And I was reading that earlier this spring, you said your son told you that you had a <laughs> Dwight Schrute title. Yeah. I thought about getting a different haircut, you know, <laughs> getting a Dwight Schrute haircut and maybe, you know, I got a little land I got, so I was going to plant some beets on it, you know, <laughs> see if it had any good effect on me. I don't know. So Coach Cutcliffe <clears throat> watches The Office. That's what we're I have watched away. every episode of The Office with my wife since I finished at Duke. Wow. wow. I've never watched TV because I was too busy. Right. But I had seen enough little tidbits of episodes of a lot of shows so with streaming and, you know, I got Peacock specifically to be able to watch The Office. And I would suggest to anybody, if you want to have fun, it's, it's better than a night out. She and I get all situated in our recliners and, man, here we go. And we just finished it all the seasons. That's unbelievable. So, and it's a fun way to watch it. Yeah. And I, I did the same thing with um, – Oh, let's see. I did Cheers. I did uh, Frasier. These are I'm dating myself a little <laughs> bit, but you guys at your age don't don't blow those shows off. You yeah. Know? Watch Frasier. Watch Cheers. You kind of it's almost sad when you finish those things. I'm always down for a good sitcom. So well, the, put me I'm in gonna the mix. tell you. You know, both of those are just tremendous. Seinfeld, I did it. I love Seinfeld. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a George fan. I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> all in with George. Always. You know, I mean, you, it tells you that you can be popular and be a prick. <laughs> <you know? laughs> no doubt about that. Well, I would imagine in this new role, as you mentioned, also in, in these stories, we're talking about getting to watch TV and, and just the little things in life. The family aspect of this has got to be great for you now, Coach. It has been rewarding. I've always been a family person and a family man, and that became evident early in my career. I wasn't going to put anything in front of my faith, my family. Then it was football, and I would suggest that to anybody that gets into business. But uh, now I've got eight grandchildren. I got We had seven little grandboys in a row, and we finally got our little girl and I'm closer to them moving to Birmingham. I have three of them in Birmingham, wow. five of them in Oxford, Mississippi, which is less than a three-hour. It's a day trip right. if you want it. And so, yeah, we are celebrating that. And I got a little place that's got a little pond, and we've named it Camp Cut. And it is becoming designed to be a place for grandchildren. That's awesome. And um, so in the process of doing this work, because I was one of these, I hate to admit this, but an 18-hour-a-day guy as a coach. And, you know, I don't have to, to do that. And I'm out cutting trees and clearing a little bit of land and taking care of my pond and doing things from 4 
to about 6.30, and then I go to work, and then I come home, and I do it. Daylight saving time has helped me clearing some yeah. things. We had a lot of work to do and still do, but that's good for me. Well, talking about family and, again, getting back to Auburn, we would be remiss with this opportunity if we didn't bring up someone that you know very well and Auburn fans still to this day very much so consider him a a part of the Auburn family, and that's Trooper Taylor, Coach. And being a part of the 2010 National Championship staff with Cam Newton and company at Auburn, and then he spent so many years with you recently at Duke. Yeah, Troop is just amazing, and you guys know it and Auburn people know it. Um, one of my saddest aspects about leaving Duke is not being with Trooper on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I've talked with Troop a lot about his career, and I'm, I'm in high hopes that somebody recognizes the job he could do as a head football coach at any level. Um, Evie is phenomenal. His children are phenomenal. Um I've known his children most of their lives, but loyalty and being a true friend, they don't get any better than truth. Sometimes people don't understand truth and the hat backwards. And I told him, you need to write a book to let people know. He was one of 16 kids growing up. And, um, you know, his dad wore his hat backwards because his dad had to work two jobs. And one of them, he had to have a safety helmet on. So Troop and his dad died young, wears his hat backwards to honor his father. So I'm going to tell that story for people that may wonder. But what a great husband, what a great dad, what a great teammate he is. That's what I think I remind coaches all the time. You're, you're a teammate. If you're going to be in a football program, and the greatest thing that anybody can ever tell a former football program football player person is when they come up and say hey man you were the greatest teammate i ever had and i don't want to see that lost sure and troopers that guy he can build an organization he can build a program he can rally people and you know what i've kept saying with troop first time i was working with him is you know how do you become a head coach well let's start with being the best football coach on the staff and I mean know every aspect I've studied defensive line play I've studied linebacker play secondary play um, just as hard I'm, I'm a good special teams coach I know the kicking game and obviously I've spent my career as an offensive football coach and that's my advice to Trooper and any younger coach out there you know what just take care of your job be the best football coach until you become somebody's choice best choice and i'm praying that happens but we need to see a little bit more of a push to get some minority qualified minority people i'm not saying just minority coaches but yeah we we need to see that uh, occur and i think that's important for our game as we move forward and trooper taylor certainly is a great one and we think fondly of those national championship memories with well, auburn well and he's the only coach in history that has chest bumped a president let's face <laughs> yeah, it that's true uh, that's yeah, true he and and, and and president obama you know i mean that was yeah. a great moment i stood up and cheered man we finally got a coach that chest bumped a president that was outstanding i tried it 
but the Secret Service grabbed me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, let's talk one more, Coach, uh, in the Auburn legacy, and you look at football over the years, and Gus Malzahn, the last Auburn football coach before Harson comes in, thought it was interesting over the years when, when Nick Saban made and adapted to the push that Auburn was doing specifically with Gus's hurry-up, no-huddle offense and the impact he had on the game, not necessarily that, but any encounters that you've had with Gus Malzahn yeah, over the years? Yeah, I know Gus well. I shared a podium with him this past spring, and I, I think he is um, a great football coach. And the, the more and the longer I see Co Coach Malzahn move through college football, the better he's getting. Yeah. People need to understand, you could be really good anywhere it's very difficult in the environment to be very good for very long anymore. What Coach Saban's done at Alabama, we all need to just bow. I don't care if you're an Auburn fan or what you are. It's, it's unheard of this day and time. Um, you know, Spike Dykes, who was a very clever football coach, you know, used to talk about the number of fans that you lose each year. And he said, and he would tell me all the time, David, you're in year eight. You're just about done, buddy. <laughs> um, you know, but I never, you know, I, I think Gus is going to have a good run at Central Florida. You know, Heupel did, did a lot of the same things yeah. at Central Florida preceding Gus offensively, and it fit that profile down there. Talking with David Cutcliffe here again, the special assistant to the commissioner for football relations. We're on Radio Row here at SEC Media Days. We take a look at, at football this upcoming season. And Auburn fans, it, it's, it's tough to be in the position you're at, Coach, where you got the Iron Bowl every year and you play Georgia every year, and those two teams just played for the national championship. Yeah, it's not the Southeastern Conference, you know, for a coach in the, the summer, I used to have dreams that I was stuck under the field and that it was so overwhelming. And, you know, the old coach talk about taking them one at a time, I mean, that's the approach. And you only have to be better than any team on that given day. So let's take Georgia, the national champion. They're quite likely most people that play them aren't going to be better than them 11 or 12 out of 12 weeks. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. Well, on that Saturday, let's put Bum Phillips to the test. You all know this old quote, he can take hisn and beat yearn, and he can take yearn and beat hisn. Now, do you all understand what I just said? <laughs> Try to. <laughs> okay. He can take his players and beat yours, and he can take your players and beat his. Coaching Matters. matters yeah i've said that through the years and anybody that particularly is from up east is like what language are you speaking <laughs> hisn and yearn right okay you get it now and that's what i've loved about coaching is that um, there's a reason you practice there's a reason you develop great habits there's a reason that reps matter in august um and if you can relay that to to young people well enough, you know, you got. there's a reason we're going to play the game. And Auburn's got good football players, and they've got good coaches. And so, you know, don't defeat yourself before you've ever played a game. You know, I mean, how, how crazy is that? So let's think positive in all 14 places. 
you know, and, and Clark Lee, somebody told me earlier they were making fun of him saying they had the best program in the league. Well, let's understand what a program is. Don't, don't laugh at that statement. When you can get your players achieving at the very highest level 12 weeks out of the year, and they're doing what they should be doing off the field, and you're developing people, and you're getting it done in the weight room, and you're getting it done nutritionally. and it, You know what? He may well be right. Okay? So people need to understand what a program is. You can have a good football team and a bad program, and then it's going to hit south in a hurry. So understand what a program is, and that's the important part. We're trying to have 14 great programs in the Southeastern Conference. And it helps when you have great players in those programs. And, and Coach, you certainly have had some greats over the years. You look at the, the Manning brothers in particular with Peyton at Tennessee and Eli at Ole Miss. And I don't know how plugged in you are to the Internet these days, Coach, but I think the Internet is convinced that you might be going to Texas to coach <laughs> up the next Manning now that Arch is committed there. Yeah, I keep hearing all that. I'm not, I'm not an analyst, okay? <laughs> um, you know, if you study long, you study wrong. That's what I've always said. I'm a blink guy and you know right now I wouldn't I wouldn't want to even get into that world um, of speculation and I'm a big fan of arches and certainly I, I would never imagine. do anything to uh, compromise my relationship with their family I wouldn't insert myself I'm not that arrogant anytime but um, you know I'm just I'm, I'm glad to be doing what I'm doing uh, that's and and if if Folks, if you believe 30% of what you read on the Internet, you probably got a big problem in your life. (laughs) No doubt about that. Well, Coach Cutcliffe, thank you so much for the time. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's great. You guys keep doing what you're doing, and um, hope uh, that that the Auburn Tigers have a great year this year. That's what we're hoping for, too. That's David Cutcliffe joining us here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. of SEC Media Days here in Atlanta, Radio Row at the College Football Hall of Fame. J.J. Jackson and Ryan LaVoy on Sports Call, and we are so thrilled to welcome in an annual friend, our good pal Gary Stoken, the Peach Bowl CEO. How are you? I know it's college football season when I see you guys. (laughs) Welcome to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's a home game for you here in Atlanta this week. What's that like? I just flew in from, uh, I was at Wimbledon and uh, the Open, so I just flew in late last night from London, so... Uh, I was glad I didn't have to get in the car and drive over to uh, Hoover today, but I can have a home game and just drive downtown to the Hall of Fame. So. I got to I got to start there as just sports fans, sports junkies. What's it like to take in Wimbledon? Yeah, it was very special. I've been there three times before, but they just do. It's such a pristine honor to tennis. You know, they really do a first class job. And uh, it was interesting. It was the hottest day in Wimbledon history for their finals. And then yesterday I left London, and it was the hottest day in London. It was over 100 degrees in London. And they don't have much air conditioning (laughs) at a lot of those places. So uh, it's kind of interesting. But the Open and Wimbledon were 
they, they just do a first-class job. And, and the weather was phenomenal at the open, you know, with that. You know, you could have rain, sleet, snow, ice, <laughs> and everything over there and wind. But it was, uh, it was beautiful. So it was a great trip. And now you're back in Atlanta. Here we are for uh, SEC Media Days. It means another football season is right around the corner. This is our record season. We, uh, we called last year our comeback season. Yeah. Coming out of COVID this year. going to be our record season. We have three games. Five of the six teams are ranked in the top ten. Uh, we just announced sellout two weeks ago on our Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which will be our semifinal this year. And we just announced today that we've sold out Georgia, Oregon uh, to start the season. And hopefully by the end of the week, we'll have announced Georgia Tech, Clemson sold out. So to have three games sold out, uh, five of the six teams in the top ten, it's a great way to be involved in college football. Well, Gary, you know the Auburn fans would like to think that Bo Nix has something to do with the fact that that, uh, that Oregon-Georgia game is what sold out. What an interesting story. What huh? a fun matchup that's going to be. I mean, he's, had, he's played Georgia so many times, such a big rivalry, and now he's getting another opportunity at Oregon to go up against the Dogs. I mean, and you have, guys get that game. They have Bo Nix playing against Georgia again, and they have Coach Lanning, right. who coached the defensive coordinator uh, national championship team to be the head coach. His first job, uh, first game, I should say, uh, is against uh, the University of Georgia, who is his uh, uh, good friend Kirby Smart (laughs) and ranked number three in the country. Tough, tough challenge. And then how big is it for you? Because obviously Georgia coming off a a national championship, but even uh, Georgia Tech, you know, how important is it for these big Georgia schools to be involved in this game? Yeah, it's a great point. It was interesting. Kirby uh, Smart, when he was at Alabama under Nick Saban all those years, they'd come over and play in so many kickoff, Chick-fil-A kickoff games that uh, he said, Gary, when he got the University of Georgia job, he said, Gary, I want to be in as many Chick-fil-A kickoff games as, as, as he walks in, yeah. in the facility here. Uh, I want to be in as many Chick-fil-A kickoff games as I can. And so 2016, we scheduled his first game ever was in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game against North Carolina. 20, we had him scheduled against Virginia, had to cancel because of COVID. 22, he'll play against Oregon. And then 24, we have him matched up against Clemson. So, um, you know, very important. He knows that this Chick-fil-A kickoff game, what it can mean to a CFP bid, what it can mean for recruiting for them, what it can mean to setting up their kids to get really ready for, uh, you know, the summertime workouts because they're playing against a ranked opponent instead of just a nondescript game. So all those reasons uh, make sense for the uh, Georgia playing our Chick-fil-A kickoff game. And then Georgia all- Tech, you know, they're playing in, in our game against uh, Clemson, start of an ACC schedule. Uh, they want to be in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They know what Chick-fil-A kickoff games can mean for their uh, for Jeff Collins as well, recruiting-wise. Yeah, that was about to be my next question: Is Georgia Tech playing an ACC foe uh, in, in these two games coming up with Clemson, and then uh, they'll have Louisville the, the year after? And so, uh, how big was it to get? I mean, that's that's something pretty unique for a neutral site. I mean, we see that in the SEC, I guess, with Florida and Georgia scheduled every year, but it's not often that a neutral site game. Um, such as the Chick-fil-A kickoff, gets a conference game. No, that's a great point. I think Georgia Tech looked at it and said, hey, Mercedes-Benz Stadium for our fans, uh, national TV potential. Uh, Louisville next year, Louisville's having a top 10 recruiting uh, class this year, so Louisville's going to be much improved. And um, I think Jeff Collins is trying to, 
you know, get the brand. He calls it the 404, uh, you know, area code. Uh, make sure recruiting has every opportunity, whether it's playing Mercedes-Benz Stadium, playing on a Monday night on a post-TV and Chick-fil-A kickoff game, all those things he's trying to do to build a brand, which is working for him. Gary Stokens here with us on Sports Call today at SEC Media Days, getting set for the upcoming college football season. Being able to play at a venue like Mercedes-Benz Stadium is awesome for so many college football fans to see one of the greatest NFL stadiums uh, and just how big the atmosphere is. Auburn, it felt like a home away from home a few years ago when you play in the SEC championship game and uh, then you have the Peach Bowl that they were a part of against UCF and then started out the next season in your event as well. It really did feel like the uh, Jordan-Hare Stadium part two with how frequently they were there. Auburn has been so good to us whether it's been the Chick-fil-A kickoff game or Chick-fil-A Peach Bowls, we, we really hated losing the North Carolina-Auburn matchup in 2020 because I thought that would have been a blockbuster, two high, sure. high top 20 ranked teams. Uh, Brian Harson, I think the world of. He came here with Boise State. Um, you know, I think he's going to do a great job at Auburn. And Auburn football history is such renowned and, and so important to Atlanta because you have so many alumni living here and it's such an easy drive and you get so many recruits from Georgia that, um, you know, unfortunately we, we don't have Auburn scheduled out uh, because a lot of ADs have, they, I think they saw the expansion of the CFP probably becoming a reality and so they scheduled home and homes. Sure. Plus they wanted to ha- help their season ticket base maintain, you know, um, you know a, a high rank of... Uh, uh, renewals, and so they scheduled a lot of these home and home. So this, there's been a shrinkage of teams uh, available for kickoff games in the future. We're out through 2025. It's going to be difficult moving forward after 26, depending on what the CFP expansion looks like. What's your sales pitch? I mean, how do you combat that? Is it a lot of wait and see to see what the CFP expansion looks like? Or how exactly, because you've obviously got these great matchups. Something's working, Gary, in order to tell them to keep playing these games. It's like John Wooden said, preparation is is so key uh, for success. Um, You have to prepare. and You have to look out in the schedules and see who has openings and when. You have to look at their recruiting bases and how good their recruiting is going. You have to look at the coaches' contracts. And then you have to talk to coaches and ADs and say, who would you play, who would you not play? What openings do you have? You know, when do you want to play? When does this make some sense? For Auburn, I would think this would make a great deal of sense for them. Um, But, you know, they're scheduled out, so it's going to be tough to get Auburn into the future in these Chick-fil-A kickoff games, which is unfortunate. Do you think, Gary, that's something that could be discussed maybe more with, with conferences? I know we've got to kind of let the dust settle, and we got to make sure we don't have even more expansion over the coming years. And 2025, that 2025-2026 area makes a lot of sense because that's when the college football playoff could change or, or at least needs a, a renewal of a contract. And uh, that's when Texas and Oklahoma are slated to come to the SEC. So is some of the thought maybe, wait, some – in some respects and, and maybe try and schedule another conference game such as what you've done with the ACC here. Yeah, we'd love to be able to do conference uh, matchups here. It's, it gets more difficult because there's such a big need for the SEC games to be on campus for that season ticket base. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, Oklahoma coming in. So I've looked and said, okay, Oklahoma plays Georgia in 23 in Oklahoma. 
Oklahoma comes back to Georgia in 2031. That game's not going to happen because they'll be in the conference. So I know Georgia probably not going to play Oklahoma because why go out there when you're not going to get the rematch? That may present an opportunity, right? So you have to analyze all that, you know, BYU playing some people like Tennessee, etc. Does that mean BYU in the Big 12 playing nine conference games doesn't want to play a tough non-conference? That may present an opportunity. So you just have to do your preparation do a lot of homework. Here we are. Scouting. No kidding. Gary Soak is with us here on Sports Call. We're talking about some of the memories also that we've got uh, from Auburn being there. And uh, here I am thinking about that 2020 matchup and how great it would have been with the quarterbacks. We mentioned Bo Nix would have been starring for the Tigers. Sam Howe with North Carolina. The big memory for Auburn walking away from it is the win against Washington and then Gus Malzahn after the game with the old leather helmet and a big thumbs up and his his little goofy smile. What, what's the story with that helmet? Because I know every coach is yeah. so excited to put it on. It means they won the game. Well, that's interesting. We've even had Nick Saban put it on, believe it or not. <laughs> um, the first year he, he didn't put it on because uh, Jalen Hurts didn't want to mess up his hair. <laughs> um, but, you know, when... When I looked at uh, bringing the College Football Hall of Fame to Atlanta, one of the things I wanted to do is tie in the Hall of Fame with uh, and Hall of Famers with the kickoff game. And so I said, to do that, I want a trophy for the kickoff game that's going to be like the Stanley Cup, something that people can interact with, something they'll want to be a part of. And so I said, okay, Hall of Fame, old leather helmet, Makes some sense. You think harken back to the Hall of Fame and the history of college football, and people can put put it on, do the Heisman pose, yeah. etc. And so I came up with the old leather helmet, and it's been phenomenally uh, received by the players. The players love to put it on after the game. Uh, you'll see linemen want to do an, uh, a Heisman pose with it on. Even the coaches, as you said, I mean Kirby Smart, Gus Malzahn. Uh, Nick Saban, um, you know, pretty much everybody, Diabo Sweeney, when they win, they, they put it on because they know that game is going to help them get in the CFP. And so it's a big game. They're, they're joyous. Uh, and so they want to celebrate with their with their uh, team. Well, we're looking forward to all the great games you got coming up, and, and who knows, uh, we'll see Auburn at some point, I'm sure, in the future. From and, your and lips to God's ears. <laughs> exactly. We hope to see him either in the bowl game or the kickoff game soon because the Alabama people are so good, Alan Green and – and Brian Harson and the fans have been tremendous to us here at the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. We call that speaking it into existence, and that's <laughs> what we're trying go. to do like today. That. Gary, so good to see you as always. Great to be with you guys. Have it's a Gary great Stoken season. here with us at SEC Media Days. Thanks so much. Terrific conversation there again here at SEC Media Days. Gary Stoken is the Peach Bowl CEO, and we got a chance to catch up with him a little bit earlier today. And, man, he was talking about some of the great games that didn't happen in 2020. Notably, remember, Auburn was supposed to play North Carolina to open up the college football season. Bo Nix with the Tigers, Sam Howell with the North Carolina Tar Heels would have been an amazing football game and unfortunately that was stripped away from us again as we remember in 2020 with the pandemic we only had 10 SEC games on the schedule for the Tigers. Yeah and that North Carolina team ended up in a uh, New Year's Six Bowl with Sam Howell uh, Auburn obviously ended 6-4 and four, uh, and that was the last year Gus Malzahn and you know I mean 
I don't think it's a huge what if, but I, I always talk about this perception that Auburn was like a six-win team that year. And in reality, if it functions like any other season, it was still the same eight-win team that we've seen for a lot of years. And I think the optics looked worse on that team because there were a couple of really close games that Auburn just scooted by because it was a a perceived quote-unquote six-win team. But in reality, you know, if they, you know, they went one and one in the two games that were added. So they were actually a five and three team in the SEC that year on originally scheduled games. And then if even if they lose that North Carolina game, that's an eight and four team. So again, like people remember that season as being very tumultuous and, and, and difficult, but if you put any season with only SEC games, every season would be tumultuous. Every season would be like that, um, and, and there would be more seasons that Auburn would be 500. Because again, if you go four and four in the league, you're typically still uh, potentially eight and four overall. So yeah, that was a a big game that was not uh, to be. And uh, for my parents' blood pressure and for my blood pressure, it was probably a good thing that it didn't ever happen. And uh, yeah, it would have been it would have been very interesting quarterback play though between Bonex and Sam Howell. I would have looked forward to that game a whole lot and to get back in Atlanta. I love neutral site contests. I thought it was fun him talking about hey, that is a little bit of a concern when we have all this uh, conference realignment, expansion taking place of these conferences. Are we going to see some of those fun neutral site games? That's a big question that's out there. I think there's enough money in it, though, that, uh, that some of these will stick around, like the ki- uh, Chick-fil-A kickoff. They've uh, The stuff that they passed around when they stopped by the table, it's the longest-running neutral site game kickoff. You've got all these different ones. There's all these sorts of you know big NFL stadiums that want to show them off, want to be shown off to the college football world. And it, I think that as long as the money is there and people, you know, people like to travel, it's a great way to open the college football season. I don't see why it would go away just because of conference realignment. I think it just makes more interesting uh, matches. Maybe it's a conference game to open up the season. They, I think they'll have to go the conference game route because the reason it would start to go away is teams would no longer be interested in playing Power Five opponents. You know, and you don't want like Tulane, Alabama for yeah. a Chick-fil-A yeah. kickoff game, and so that's kind of what Gary was alluding to during that was some of these teams are not so sure they're going to be playing a Power Five team outside of their conference if they're playing nine, even in, in another conference cases maybe ten conference games. So that's the issue there. But as the Chick-fil-A Bowl uh, kickoff classic kind of Chick, excuse me, the Chick-fil-A kickoff classic has illustrated here with future scheduling, they've got two ACC games here in the coming years so you might they, they might try and be forward thinking and just try and discuss with multiple conferences if they could get a conference game or two uh, in Atlanta. That was Gary Stoken joining us here on Sports Call again this hour you also heard from David Cutcliffe. We are live at SEC Media Days on Radio Row here at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia. Still to come, conversations with Connor O'Gara and Chris Gordy. Man, the show is flying by today alongside Tom PV, Ryan LaVoy, and Brooks Childress. My name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started. Tiger 95.9 FM, Tiger Communications app, J.J. Jackson, Tom Peavy, Ryan the Boy, Brooks Childress, here live, SEC Media Days. We're on Radio Row at the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Stoked to be here as uh, we've got a lot to discuss here all week long. Tomorrow is finally Auburn Day. We're almost there, almost going to get the chance to hear from football head coach Brian Harson. Players are going to be here, including Derek Call and Tank Bigsby. John Samuel Shanker will all stop by to be a part of uh, SEC Media Days tomorrow. Looking forward to bringing you that coverage. Here in the final hour of the show today, our pal Chris Gordy from Locked On SEC and Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South will both be a part of the show. And uh, Brooks, we say it every day that we're here, but uh, man, it's been a great show. It has been a great show. A lot of great guests. A couple more guests to go. we got some more guests, high-profile guests, lined up for tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. And of course, as we say every single day as well, if you missed any of those interviews that we had earlier in the show or earlier in the week, we had some great guests on earlier this week. Go and check it out on the Sports Call podcast, uh, on our podcast feed because, I mean, there's some interviews on there you don't want to miss. Yeah, the Sports Call Podcast now presented by Coca-Cola. Thanks to our good friends over at Coca-Cola for sponsoring our podcast. All right, we do this each and every day as well. We need to make sure we take this time today to celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Yes. Oh, yes, Brooks. Birthdays in sports here today, July 20th, 2022. Steven Adams is celebrating his birthday today. 29th birthday for Steven Adams. NBA center for the Memphis Grizzlies. Drafted 12th overall in the 2013 NBA draft by the Oklahoma City Thunder out of Pittsburgh. He was an NBL champion, a Big East all-rookie team player for Pittsburgh. Steven Adams has great tattoos, great hair, great facial hair, big body. Uh, just a, a great man, nice and he's celebrating his 29th birthday. Yeah, not as old as we – I would have swore early, mid-30s. But he's been in the league a long time. That's true. I mean, like – You he, would look at him and just think that yeah, like, he's got to be, like, at least getting close to, like, upper 30s. And he was relevant pretty quickly because that, that Thunder team that lost the Heat in 2012, he was already playing pretty big minutes. I mean, that's, that's like a, what, 19, 20-year-old? So – He's kind of already – he's been relevant really his entire career. But because he's not been a superstar or an all-star, you know, he, he kind of flies on the radar. You think, oh, he's still going? That, that type of thing. He's incredible. And uh, he's the youngest of 17 in his family. 17? That's one of my favorite facts. Oh, my god! <laughs> about Stephen Adams. From New Zealand. Crikey, mate. <laughs> That's Australian, but you know. I wish Close people could enough. see Ryan's yeah. face. Yeah. You get the gist. Wow. 17 kids Congrats. in the Adams family. Congrats on all of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ray Allen is turning 47. Former NBA shooting guard, drafted fifth of the Raw in the 1996 NBA draft by the Minnesota Timberwolves out of UConn. Two time NBA champ. 
10-time All-Star, one of the best three-point shooters of all time, and his number 34 jersey retired by the UConn Huskies. Go Huskies. Big time, big time, big time. We've had a couple of UConn birthdays this week. Wasn't uh, Shabazz Napier earlier this yes, week? Yes, you're exactly right, man. Very good, Brooks. You remember well. I try to. Uh, also, Ben Simmons celebrating a birthday today. The current NBA point forward for the Brooklyn Nets. First overall pick in the 2016 draft by the 76ers out of LSU. Three-time NBA All-Star, but he doesn't play basketball anymore, it feels like. It's been forever since we've seen Ben Simmons on the basketball floor. Someone uh, what is he doing? at Summer League when he was there hanging out around the bench and was sitting there courtside. Someone said, oh, he's already in mid-season form. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, and then our final birthday today, Steven Strasburg, one of Ryan's favorites, turning 34, a current MLB pitcher for the Washington Nationals. Yeah, you try and Made get through his that debut in 2010 yeah. for the Nationals. <laughs> Three-time All-Star, a World Series champion in 2019, Silver Slugger Award winner in 2012. He can hit a little bit, a strikeout leader in 2014 and wins leader in 2019. Steven Strasburg is 34. I meant to get away with the joke. Is he really shut down again? Really good pitcher, really injured pitcher, maybe my 47th favorite pitcher (laughs) in Major League Baseball. San Diego State, I believe. Strasburg. Good tech. Yes. Yep. Was it was it San Diego State? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember him coming up when he was at San Diego State. And he, like, phenom he's the can't and, miss guy. Yeah, yeah for it, sure. Yeah, he had so much buzz around him. Yeah, big time. Well, I mean, he was throwing over a hundred miles an hour. He's had a college. good career. I mean, yeah, let's, he's, I mean, been he's just been hurt. Much. Yeah, he's gets, been hurt when he's not injured. They, it seems like they shut him down at the end of the season anyway. And so. I tried to pull a fast one, saying that he was Ryan LaVoy's favorite. Uh, but, yeah, no, that rotation was really good. I mean, when they won the World Series, you know, they had, I believe they had Max Scherzer. You know, they had J.J.'s favorite, Patrick Corbin. They had a lot of uh, really good arms uh, in that rotation. <laughs> the difference is you don't laugh when you make a joke like that, and Not I typically, do. typically, yeah. yeah. All right, that's our birthdays in sports here today on July 20th, 2022. Stephen Adams, Ray Allen, Ben Simmons, and Steven Strasburg. Let's take a break. You know why? We've got a lot of great interviews coming up. We've got a chat with our good friends Connor O'Gara and Chris Gordy. They're going to join us on the program. You're going to hear those conversations right now. Right after this. Right after this break. (laughs) We're going to take a quick timeout, and then we'll be back. You're listening to the Abbey Award-winning sports talk show in the state of Alabama. This is Sports Call. WTGZ, Tiger 95.9. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. My name is what? My name is My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back in. It's Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM in the Auburn area. J.J. Jackson and Brooks Childress on Radio Row at SEC Media Days with our good pal Chris Gordy, the host of the Locked On SEC podcast. 
Gordy, it's always great to see you in person, man. Yeah, guys, always fun to uh, hang out with you guys and be here all week and work long hours, uh, get little sleep, and eat loads and loads of greasy Chick-fil-A. It's always yeah. fun. <laughs> How many media days is this for you now? Uh, I don't know. Close, closing in on a decade. Okay. Maybe it has been a decade because I, I, I came, I think, right when A&M when and Missouri joined. So, yeah, it's been, Look it's at been that. 10 years now. Look at that. We look at the, the conference right now, and obviously so many things are changing and that sort of thing, and there's so much talk about conference realignment, the future of the sport. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of all this? Yeah, real quick, let me go back to the, the media day stuff. Well, the great thing is find, like, the old guys here, the guys that are bald or gray hair. Right. Ask them about the early days of SEC media days. Those are the best because it used to be like it'd be at like a bar in a hotel and they would just be like sitting at the bar. You would just pull up a chair and go, Coach Spur, let me ask you about the season. <laughs> right. Like, that was like, that can we get cool. back to that? That that's, sounds awesome. That's cool SEC media day. It's not this. But uh, no, to answer your question, I mean, the expansive stuff, it's look, I'm a, I was raised a uh, diehard college football fan. I'm, I'm a purist. It. I don't like what's happening. I mean, I'm, I'm a man who likes the traditions and the rivalries and all that. And I think geography should play a role in playing teams in conferences. And when we literally are adding UCLA and USC to a conference that includes Rutgers in New Jersey, like, what are we doing? It's, it's all about money. It's all about, you know, TV contracts. And, and a lot of it is envy. It's envy from these other conferences that have looked at what the SEC has done and stacking their, you know, billions in profits. And it's other conferences that are uh, getting jealous and saying, hey, what can we do to, to react? I did like the comments from Greg Sankey this week, though, saying, look, you know, we're fine with 16. We think 16 is a strong number. If the Big Ten wants to keep adding and they get the 20, you know what? That 20, whoever it is, still will not compare to the 16 that the SEC is, is going to have. With the current 14 and adding Oklahoma and Texas, go get Notre Dame if you want. Sure, it's still not going to beat what we have here. So uh, I, I like that. I, I also think, look, man, Go look up the, the Merriam-Webster definition of the word conference. It means a collective of uh, schools who play one another, who play one another. If you get to 20, you're not playing one another. Yeah. You're playing a few teams, and you don't have enough football games on the schedule to be able to play everybody. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think you pause it at 16. In fact, we should be talking about kicking some people out. Andy, you better start doing something Step or, else, or yeah. else you're getting kicked out. So. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's uh, it's disappointing. You know, it, it's frustrating, but it is where it is. What it, where it is. So after you put it put it behind the anger and the sadness or whatever it is, you have to just kind of accept where we are. And you know, I asked Greg Sankey about this yesterday. I said, you know, do you have to be proactive and have conversations? And he said, sure. Uh, he said they have a, a group that is doing that. And you know, didn't say anything specific, but I'm sure they've had phone conversations with. North Carolina and Clemson and Florida State, Miami, because those all fit the geographic uh, footprint. And let's be honest, if the you know if the Pac-12 is going to dissolve, the ACC may be the next to have people jumping ship. But uh, Tony Barnhart, a few other people said to me, they said it's not about prestige of the program. They don't look at it and say we need Florida State because they're a big school. They look at it as we already have the eyeballs in the state of Florida with the Gators. It's about eyeballs, and it's about new states and new new areas. So that's where he said North Carolina would make a lot of sense. Do they have the greatest football program? No. Basketball would be certainly a great addition, but it's it's getting that other state. You have South Carolina with the Gamecocks. So, again, Clemson wouldn't make much sense because you have, you know, another team in that state. They're looking to add new states. So North Carolina would make a, a lot of sense. I even threw in West Virginia 
their fan base is rabid and and you know football hasn't been up to par as of late but man any fan base who wants to burn couches when they win games you fit right in the sec adding north carolina as a native myself i'm totally in favor of i think that would be awesome anytime we can give that state some love it is the greater carolina i mean that's just not up for debate at all we're not taking duke though get uh, out of here duke. yeah we don't we don't deserve to be in that <laughs> conversation i want to know this though because you mentioned sort of like a premier league model and this is off topic for a moment like hey we're relegating vanderbilt <laughs> right. elsewhere has Chris Gordy ever been a part of the Premier League craze at any point in no, your life at I all? I hate soccer. Okay, I, there we go. I am one of those people. I, 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 I tell people all the time, I, if, if the World Cup were being played right now and the U, Team USA was in it, I would rather watch a South Carolina spring game than watch <laughs> wow. soccer. I'm just that. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm a football, baseball, basketball guy. That's who I am. I'm sorry. I've just <laughs> never come around on soccer and – Look, you guys can love it all you want. The hipsters out there, you can go support them. But I'm going to be watching full. I'd rather re-watch old football games than watch a soccer game. Worth asking. Uh, Chris, going back to the uh, the conference expansion, it's been a year since the news came out that Oklahoma and Texas were joining. You mentioned you you really enjoy the traditional rivalries. How does it feel to be getting some of those back, like Texas A&M, Texas, Arkansas, Texas, from those big Southwest days? Well, it's awesome, but are we going to get them? You know, that's the the next step is, and I know they've talked about it a lot, is how the scheduling format is going to work. You know, are we going to do three permanent opponents and, you know, the rest we jumble up? Is it going to be one? I know most people are opposed to just the one permanent opponent oh, we have all these rivalries to protect okay well we got to give in we got to give something up to to get this to work but um yeah i mean i would love it but but who's going to tell are you going to tell texas a&m hey uh great to have you here in the conference here's your permanent opponents it's going to be texas uh oklahoma and arkansas like or or lsu and, and arkansas like no that's not fair like you know you, you want to have like whoever the permanent opponents are that you play every year you want to make sure that there's a little fairness in it right so i don't know how they're going to do it uh you know certainly would not be fair to auburn to you know i know auburn wants to keep georgia but like what if they tell georgia are your permanent opponents every year are going to be alabama georgia i don't know who who would throw in a third tennessee or something like it's kind of not fair to auburn to to have the the, you know like auburn should have the benefit of some years where they play vandy in south carolina and you know the the i guess the the easier team so again it's Anything is better than what we have right now. The, the one crossover game, that, and I know everybody loves Alabama-Tennessee for some reason. Tennessee fans still love the rivalry, even though they get their brains beat in every year. Um, and then the one rotational. The problem with that is not all SEC schedules are created equal. LSU's crossover is Florida, who right now they're down, but typically they're a top 10, top 20 type team. We've had years where LSU had to play Florida and Georgia in the East, and Bama played Vandy and Tennessee. That's not, you know, right. yeah. Oh, you told me Alabama went undefeated? Yeah, they had the easier, you know, easier road. They didn't have to play Florida or Georgia until they got to Atlanta. So, yeah, th- there has to be a little bit of a change in, in that. I know people say it's cyclical and, you know, wait till Tennessee turns things around. Yeah, I get it. But, man, we've been waiting a decade now. Like, yeah. Bama's had a bye week basically every week with that rivalry. So, again, hopefully, however they, they do the schedule, we do get more of those. But, Man, be careful what you wish for. I tell people all the time, you know, oh, we want expansion. We want Clemson. We want Florida State. Stop. You don't want good teams. Like, those are teams that make your schedule harder. You should be pandering for, we want Virginia and Wake Forest and Indiana. Like, those are the teams you should be pandering to add to the SEC because, 
you know, you got to play an SEC schedule and you want to get as many wins as possible. Without a doubt, that's the goal ultimately at the end of the day. Talking about these atmospheres that you want to get to experience too because it's too long that these fan bases get yes. to go to other parts of the conference. How many of the 14 SEC football stadiums have you been to? I've been to a good bit of them. There's a few that I still need to make. I've, I've been to been to Athens but I haven't been for a football game so okay. I need to I need to go experience that um I would imagine the West is a little bit easier for you to have covered. Yeah, when I was in, when I was in school at LSU we, we did a lot of road trips. Sure. Um, you know, Auburn we, we we had fun. It was a game uh, gosh, I forget how, was it was it like a 7 to 3 game or something? It was ridiculously low scoring. Uh, Brandon Cox was the quarterback. <laughs> he got knocked out. And then he got up, and the whole stadium cheered. And I just remember this girl next to me yelled, Yay, Brandon! I was like, go away. Um, but it was a game where I think Jamarcus Russell hits early set and gets interfered with. One of the defensive backs grabs his arm, and they throw a flag for pass interference, and then they all congregate, and they wave off the flag, and LSU loses as they were putting together a drive to go down and, and try to win the game. So, um yeah, I had a lot of fun, though, at Auburn. Seeing the, the eagle fly around is uh, an experience. Got to experience it. Everybody's got to, got to experience. It was funny, though. I remember in college, I was very confused because we walked around Auburn's campus like, wait, what is their mascot? Is it the Tigers? Is it the Plainsmen? Is it the War Eagle? Wait, <laughs> yeah. what, you know, multiple, multiple mascots. But, um, no, we had a lot of fun there. I had fun in Tuscaloosa. Um, A&M is very underrated. If you guys haven't been there, you have to go to, to College Station. That stadium has had multiple improvements throughout the years. Need to go to Missouri. Um, you know, Clay Travis years ago, before he transitioned to the political world, that he's you know he's got going now. He wrote a book. Um, I forget what it was called. Uh, Dixieland Delight, where he went to every stadium in the SEC and wrote about it. And it's a really cool book. And it, and it really is one of those things where it's like, man. That's a bucket list. Like, yeah. if you're an SEC fan, you got to go to every stadium. But you guys make a great point. I mean, you add Texas and Oklahoma, we're going to go broke planning some of these, yeah. these road trips here. Especially with some of the ticket costs. I keep trying to get JJ to – or I tried to get him – Twenty. we talked about this last night at the media gathering. I tried to get him to go with me to Columbia in 2017 when Auburn made that trip, and he wouldn't do it. And uh, that's, Missouri's a long way off. And I keep trying to get him to go to Fayetteville with me, and he, he won't go to Fayetteville. Yeah. And so I, I'm, we're trying we to have – out for buckets. you, we have been to College Station. Okay. And this show, the Friday before the A&M game in 2019, was broadcasted from the back of my car. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, you got to do it. Live do it, right? on the air from the back of the car. Broadcasted is a loose term. Now, did y'all sleep in the car? No. Okay. We were just, we had, we left that morning. Okay. And drove and made it to College Station that evening. Wow. But when we're in the car, it was like, well, it's three o'clock time to do the show <laughs> let's go live and so we had found like a zaxby's or something we should right? have pulled off that Raising probably would canes. have been a little bit more efficient <laughs> I say, the worst thing though was it was right after one of the hurricanes came through and beaumont was flooded out oh yeah and yeah. so we had to go on these back roads north of lake charles and mm. into texas that way and wow. so our cell phone reception was just going in and out and we were just losing the station the entire yeah, time backwoods louisiana not very good for cell reception <laughs> um no it's it's funny fayetteville is one i need to do too I've, I've never been up there although my friends who've been says uh if you've ever seen the movie the hills have eyes that's what it's like driving <laughs> through arkansas middle of nowhere arkansas <laughs> yeah. so. where are you at with auburn football in 2022 it's interesting i i've I tend to think, and it's funny, the more Auburn people I talk to, more people are optimistic about Brian Harson than I thought. I, you know, I read message boards and stuff from time to time, and all it is is, fire him, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know get rid of him, fire everybody, clean house. 
um, I've been surprised how many Auburn fans are, are optimistic and got, or some in like a wait and see mode. Well, let's I'll give Harson another chance. Sure, let's see. I think he's almost like all in. I got nothing to lose now. Yeah. Like they've already tried to get rid of me this offseason. So, you know, if I'm dead man walking and that's going to be my fate eventually, let me just try to win as many games as possible and let's let's go out in a blaze of glory. So, yeah, I mean, he's got his guys now as his coordinators. And I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back and look. I mean, Bobo and uh, and Derek Mason, I don't know if they were handed to him or suggested, hey, hey, you're not an SEC guy. These would be great, you know, SEC guys to help you settle in or That's whatever. That's how we spun the news. Yeah, but, like, now he's got his, his guys. So, like, you're not going to headbutt with them. They're going to do what you want, you know. So, um, man, it's it, – it, it's like everything in the SEC, though. How good is your quarterback? <laughs> you know, that's that's what you got to have to win. I think if, if it is Calzada, I think he's good enough to get the job done. Um, you know, Bo Nix last year was – he had his ups and his downs throughout his career. So it's like, can you be a little bit better than Bo Nix? I, I think Calzada can do that. Uh, obviously, the pinnacle of his career was the, the, the Alabama win, and, and everybody goes back to that. But he did have some inconsistencies in other games, and the LSU law stands out. Um, not able to do much of anything in the second half of that game. So, um, yeah, if it's him, great. If it's Finley, if, if it is T.J. Finley, then it means he's improved. Uh, he had some, you know, his accuracy issues last year when he was thrown into the fire. Um, and maybe he's fixed those, and, and he's ready to go. So, again, it's, it's all going to be about who's – you know which quarterback has improved the most and can can uh, run this offense how it needs to be run. But it starts with Tank. It's give that yeah. man, give that man a million carries and let him go, and um, and by God, don't run out of bounds and go down and let the <laughs> clock run when you need to it. Yes, please. Gosh, those memories hurt. They still hurt, and it was the Iron Bowl that could have been and just wasn't with T.J. Finley. I mean, it's yeah. crazy to think back on that Bo Nix injury and how that kind of shifted. The entire discussion. That AM game in particular, when Zach Calzada was playing for the Yankees against Bo Nix, yeah. there was nothing spectacular about Calzada that day at all. This was after right. Alabama um, had the big win, of course, but there was nothing he did in that matchup that was impressive. Auburn just did nothing on offense themselves. Yeah, and, and look, he doesn't have to be, if it is Calzada, he doesn't have to be Will Levis or Hendon Hooker or, you know, even Bryce Young, Stetson Bennett. But can he, you know, can he just give you something there? Can he be productive and, and not lose you the game, you know, not make the big mistakes? Uh, I think he can do that. But, again, if, if Auburn – if you get into games and you're not running the ball and you're forced to pass, like, it's game over anyway. Right. You know, that this is who this team is. This is their identity. I know we're going to see – I think we're going to see more passes out of the backfield too. To, uh, to Tank and Jarquez. I think uh, you know those wheel routes are going to be utilized a lot this year. So, I don't know, man. We'll, we'll see. I, I think the schedule's not brutal for Auburn. I think it's. I think they can weather the storm. So, uh, it's going to be a fun year to see what they do. We're talking with Chris Gordy. He is the host of the Locked On SEC podcast here at Media Days, Radio Row, College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. Who's got the best defense in the SEC this year? It's Alabama. I hate saying that. I mean, you know, I uh, I get tired of talking about Alabama a lot. Um, <laughs> they're just good. I mean, Will, Will Anderson's the best defensive player in the country. And you don't have to go much further down that list before you get to Dallas Turner, who was a monster last year as a freshman, getting a million sacks. So those guys are back, and they've got other dudes, too, on that team that uh, – 
can get sacks too. So I just, I think up front they are going to wreak havoc on offensive lines across across the SEC and across the country. So yeah, I, I still I have some questions with their secondary. Kool Aid McKinstry, Eli Ricks, man, they thought he was going to come in there and immediately grab the other corner spot, and everything we've heard is the you know. Whatever it is off the field, on the field, learning the playbook, whatever. Nick Saban made comments the other day saying, you know, he's got to do the right things to, to earn his spot. You know, like yeah. he's sending a message basically right. at SEC Media Days. Eli Ricks, you're not, you're not guaranteed one of those starting spots. But we, all the talent in the world, I mean, he was one of the top corners in the country. And we saw it at LSU in the, in the games that he played. So, yeah, I just – and then the linebacker, linebacking core, Christian, or, uh, Henry Toa Toa, um, you know, again, Tennessee fans just shudder when they hear that name. Yeah. Um, Alabama's going to – that defense is going to be sick. I think it's role reversal this year with Georgia and Alabama. Last year, Georgia had the dominant, suffocating defense, and the offense that, that was very balanced, ran the ball, threw the ball well, and won games. At Alabama, they threw the crap out of the ball because they had Jameson Williams and John Mechie and, and Bryce Young winning the Heisman. Struggled with the run game at times. Uh, and then the defense was kind of – it was good, but it wasn't like, you know, lights out Alabama uh, defenses of the years past. I think it's role reversal this year. I think Alabama this year has the lights out suffocating defense. And I think they're going to be more balanced on offense. Jameer Gibbs coming in as the running back. I think their MO and Saban's MO every year has always been run the football, sure. run the football. They're going to get back to be a little bit more balanced. Bryce Young is going to take a step back this year. And I say that not from production, like, not from skill-wise, but like when you look at his stats, I think at the end of this year, the stats will not be as good as they were his Heisman year, but that's by design. They want to run the football more and be more balanced, so he'll throw for less yards, less touchdowns, but probably still going to win a bunch of games. You say taking a step back. When you think about more defenses in the league, what does the Georgia defense look like this year? How big of a step back could that mean? Five first-round selections, pretty yeah. damn impressive, and you don't see that every year. Yeah, but they're still going to be – good i mean jalen carter is, is the big one that everybody that grabs all the headlines linebackers are still good secondary still good um yeah I, I, like I, they're going to not be as good as last year but what what does that look like yeah oh now they're going to give up 12 points a game or you know like <laughs> i don't i don't know but uh yeah there's still going to be a good bunch i'm just that that offense scares me um I, watching them in the spring uh the spring game i don't know if you guys saw it that Stetson Bennett was having a field day, and really all the quarterbacks were. And Brock Bowers was already the best tight end in the country a year ago as a freshman. Now they get Eric Gilbert in with him. Um, it's a scary, scary offense. I think I think Stetson Bennett is going to put up some big numbers this year, and it's weird because I keep seeing these preseason lists of, here's my top five SEC quarterback rankings. And I'm like, where is Stetson Bennett in that? And it's like, oh, well, nice kid. You know, it's always like he's always the afterthought. And I think uh, we're going to see the Stetson Bennett revenge tour this year. Where he's going to shut up all the haters and go, hey, look at what I can do now. So that's just my opinion. I want to shift gears one more time and end with this. Again, Chris Gordy's here with us, uh, the host of the Locked on SEC podcast. I hate to do this, but I'm going to pander to my audience right now. Sure. How frequently do you see the Jorge Soler three-run homer in game six of the World Series? Um. Not very often. I mean, it's it, it stings a little bit, but they, you know, it would be different if the Astros had just bottomed out after losing to the Braves and they were middle of the pack. Astros still one of the best teams in baseball. They beat the Yankees, uh, you know, they're, they're three out of five, and uh, you know, fighting for the best record in the American League still. So, 
there could be a rematch there. there yeah. Could be, there could be another another World's Braves Astros World Series coming down the pike again. But um, I wouldn't we'll mind see. it. I wouldn't mind it. The Braves just hadn't been to the World Series in forever, so yeah. that was extra special for us. And kudos to them. You've gotten used to it over the past few years. Kudos to them. I know they didn't start the season as great as they wanted to, and then they found their stride. Yeah. Because the championship hangover happens. We saw with the Royals years ago, you know, that they make a fantastic run, and then they get gutted by free agency and all this, and they just bottomed out yeah. very quickly. The Nationals, two, what, two years ago? Yeah, that, they won the, the World Series. They won the World yeah. Series, and now they're like – Trading guys off and cutting bait, and you know Juan Soto is like the only guy that they can keep uh, or trying to keep. So uh, yeah, the the run in baseball, the the only ones that have really been able to do it, the Yankees of the '90s, uh, the Cardinals seem to always, you know, they put together multiple year runs, and now the Astros have done it. It will be interesting to see if the Braves uh, can do that. You know, if this was not just a fluke and this was the start of multiple years of great postseason success, and man. How depressing was it to hear that news a few weeks ago where Freddie Freeman's agent was a D-bag? Yeah, golly. And, and uh, that's why he's We not talked there. about that a good bit, Brooks, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, I was going to say, it's never a good thing when you win for the Nationals, when you win a World Series recently, and now your number one star refuses $440 million. Yeah, he says, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. That's how bad it sucks here. I want out. Like, that's on. Un- un- I was like, I would literally hurt myself running to grab a pen to sign that deal. Like, that's unbelievable. How can we listen to Locked on SEC? Yeah, just wherever you get your podcast, search Locked on SEC. We're on YouTube now, so we do the video version. So I got to, like, put on makeup and look pretty. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just search Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcast. And we've had some great guests throughout the week here and uh, continue to do so over the next couple weeks leading up to the start of the season. We enjoyed seeing you at the Senior Bowl. It's been a little bit since then, so it's been great to see you again this week. Yeah, Thanks for taking some time. Sure, and let me just plug one more time. We had Colby Wooden on the show about a week ago, and just an awesome, awesome kid. Like, when you hear him, you can't help but root for that kid, and I hope he has a big monster year, and I hope he jumps to the NFL draft because, you know, he has a big monster year. Chris, thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. That's Chris Gordy with Locked on SEC joining us here on Sports Call. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Follow SportsCall on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU. Welcome back into Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9 FM and the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan Lavoy now being joined by our good pal Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South back with us. What's up, man? Good to see you. Good to see you guys. You know, we uh, we shared a meal the other day. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Was that Monday? Monday. Tuesday? The days are all running together. <laughs> Dude, they just all blend together here. It's unbelievable. I try and sort out, like, what happens throughout the course of the week, and I'll try and break it down by day, and by the time Thursday rolls around, I'm like, wait, Monday? That, that feels like two weeks ago, not like three days ago. This has also been a nightmare for us in that we're so accustomed to operating and working and scheduling everything in the central time zone yep. and communicating back to the home stations. And here we are walking around day to day in the eastern time zone. And I think it's similar for a lot of people when it would be in Hoover or Nashville next year, wherever it may be, like having to, uh, it's weird how time zones work. Welcome man. <laughs> to the dark side. Look, I, I have lived in the eastern time zone for seven years. Yeah, seven years. I went to college in the eastern time zone. My mom does not acknowledge time zones uh, whatsoever. She lives in central time zone. Never, I don't know if she has ever said to me once, 
um, hey, let's talk at blah, 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 your time. It's never, it's never Eastern time zone. Central time zone has an arrogance about it. My buddies are all about it. I have buddies from back home who will just, the, the, the second I tell them that Eastern time zone is the best, which I don't really say that. I just try and take pride in, in where I live. They'll, they'll just, you know, talk to me about what time football starts. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need to watch an 11 a.m. game. The fact that I get until noon to be able to, to watch, uh, you know, football on, on, a, on a fall Saturday, I, that's where I'm comfortable with. So Central Time Zone and me, they don't really gel anymore. And as a North Carolina native myself, I hold true to the Eastern Time Zone. But now being Auburn and being surrounded by Alabama natives their whole life, I'm starting to get convinced more so on the later – or earlier, like we get done with work at six, here are all these games yep. that are getting started. We go off the air. Uh, but my whole life, I've been defending the Eastern time zone. I don't so. know. It, it kind of is what it is. I Look, I, I, I think Eastern time zone, this is exactly what everybody's listening to. They want to hear my for takes it. Yeah. on Eastern time zone. <laughs> I, I think that my my intake of, of sports at the professional level has decreased in terms of like non-NFL stuff because I can't stay up late enough to watch like an NBA game right. or a Major League Baseball game. But other than that, you know what? Give me that. I, earliest bird gets the worm. That's what I always say. What are you walking away so far from SEC Media Days thinking about the most that you've learned this week? I think hearing Greg Sankey day one talk about the lack of panic that the SEC had, finding out that USC, UCLA are joining the Big Ten as he was on his vacation, he was on vacation, summer vacation ended very abruptly for him uh, at his lake house. But hearing the, the lack of urgency, and look, I think that a lot of coaches have talked about issues of NIL, about realignment, transfer port, all these different things. They don't really have a lot of control in all of this. They're kind of helpless. That was one thing I talked to uh, Eli Drinkwitz about on Monday was that, I was like, do you do you really feel like you, you're able to do much? Like, do you, do you feel helpless on this? He's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't do a whole lot other than kind of say your piece on the specific issues. Everybody seems to be on the same page in terms of wanting rules. That's, that's how far out of whack this thing is. We have coaches talking about wanting rules in NIL just to understand what's legal, what's not, who can be called out for cheating, who can't be. But yeah, just talking about those big picture issues, that was always going to be the most, you know, uh, the most prevalent topic, of course, in terms of current events. But it's good to just be able to talk about like actual football things and you know what we all come here for every single year. And, and the commissioner also was talking about the you know one divisional look and the or, or one big conference look and, and the scheduling. Uh, also, just the fact uh, that he um, wanted essentially an act of Congress for NIL that is yeah. that big of an issue. Um, but Connor, want to kind of boil it down now to as you said, the, the play on the field and, and these actual teams and, and this this league, which is still incredibly strong even before Oklahoma and Texas get added to it. And it feels to me as we look at the big picture, big picture, excuse me, that you've got Alabama and Georgia, but then in the West in particular, two through seven, I realize A&M is more talented, but some inconsistencies there over recent years, it feels two through seven could be a lot of different outcomes. And so when you look at the rest of the SEC West in particular, how do you kind of sort through a bunch of teams that all could end up around eight or nine wins or could all end up around six wins? It's brutal. The, the question I think I've been asked most this week is who's finishing second in the East, who's finishing second in the West? I have Arkansas finishing second in the West. So I'm not even of the belief that A&M is going to necessarily be that number two team. And I said that before the Anaya Smith 
news that we found out this morning via the Houston Chronicle that he was arrested for DWI. Um, and it's really frustrating for a team that lost a lot of weapons as well. So I look at AM, a, a, a team that everybody has kind of penciled in as that next team. They're going to win their first national championship since 1939. When's Jimbo Fisher going to take this team to that na- to that that national championship type level? Get to an SEC championship first, and then maybe we can talk. I think that the 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 power rankings in the division is all over the place. Like I think everybody's kind of defaulting to having Mississippi State six, Auburn seven, actually Mississippi State four, um, and I'm a lot higher on them. And I love what they return with Zach Arnett's defense and the three three five that they run. I have Auburn last, and I think it's because I just have this uncertainty about the quarterback situation. Quarterback play in the SEC right now, it might be as good as it's ever been. It's at least as good as it's been since 2013 coming into a season in terms of the depth. And you know when you don't feel like you you have a guy and how helpless that kind of feels right now. For the programs right now where you're kind of looking around, I mean, even Vandy brought a guy here, Mike Wright, and they named him the starter uh, here at SEC Media Days. But for these programs like Mizzou and Auburn where you're kind of scratching your head and you're like, I don't know what they're going to be able to get from the quarterback position. I don't have a lot of confidence in it. And knowing what they lost, especially on the defensive line, we have questions about who's going to be catching passes. We have questions about the offensive line. We just have so many questions. And in the SEC West, if you're asking a lot of questions, that's not great. And and among those questions, even more so or or just as much so as Brian Harson and and the lack of patience that he's been given – a attempted coup, honestly, at Auburn earlier this year. And, and so what are your questions or concerns or things that you think Brian Harson is, is not giving enough credit for so far? It's tough because I was not a, a Harson fan with year one. I, I thought he came into this league a little bit too stubborn. I didn't necessarily think that he handled all the ebbs and flows of his first season in the SEC very well. Having said that, it's one year. We have so much historical data that shows us that year one performance does not impact a coach. It just doesn't. Not good, not bad. We might play the results and say, we knew that this coach was going to be a success because they had a great year one. We might say that we knew that this coach was going to be a failure because they had a bad year one. History shows us it really doesn't matter that much. And that was the most frustrating thing, seeing this coup that Auburn clearly organized. But the question now is how short is the leash? If I had my job depend on TJ Finley, Zach Calzada, or Robbie Ashford, who's really intriguing, but is yet to play a down of football at the FBS level, I wouldn't be sleeping well. I really wouldn't. The podcast stuff that he's coming out with, Brian Harson's coming out with, all well and good. Being more social, being more out there, being somebody that is embracing his role as the figurehead of a program, that's, that's all well and good. It is. When you go four and three, we ask questions. That's just the nature of the beast. And I think at a situation like the one he's in right now, where clearly there are people that don't want him to have that job, you're going to have to rise above expectations. You've got to beat one, two teams that you aren't expected to beat. And so that's not necessarily me saying I think he deserves to be fired if he doesn't win X number of games. That's me seeing the writing on the wall. Look, if we're not seeing the writing on the wall, we're blind, okay? This is a, a job that is unlike any in college football. And the way that this offseason has played out is just more proof of that. Talking with Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South here at SEC Media Days on Radio Row. Harson going into this second year, and you could call the seat hot, warm, whatever you want to throw out there. If there was another coach in the league, 
that had a warm seat, a hot seat going into the year. Is there anybody that fits that mold outside of Auburn's head football coach? Mike Leach is interesting. Okay. Mike Leach is interesting, and he just got that extension. Just got that extension. Remember, state contracts in Mississippi cannot be longer in length than four years. Okay, that's something that a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't really process with some of this stuff. He only had two years left on his deal before he signed this extension, like very recently, like within the last month. And that was just because, in my opinion, a lot of that is because you don't want to have to go to SEC media days and be like, hey, you've only got two years left on your contract. You're really, you know, under, under contract through 2023. That's unheard of in this day and age of not just SEC football, but Power 5 football. Leach is the one where if things really go south, if they're like five and seven bad, I would not rule that out. And I think his buyout would be, because they gave him, I think they tacked another year onto that deal. So you could theoretically pay him $10 bucks to walk away. <laughs> Auburn fans, no, that's chump change. That's nothing. <laughs> Look, we're, we're living in a world in which the majority of Power 5 head coaches have eight-figure buyouts. So that's really not saying a whole lot there. But he's probably the one. And I know that you know Mississippi State fans want to be all in with the air raid. They made that improvement last year. And I thought that they were really, really close to having kind of a special season, which special for them is a winning record in SEC play. And I do have higher expectations. I bet I'm as high on them as anybody here because I have him at fourth. So I'm not necessarily saying I think he gets fired, but he's the one guy that I would look at, especially after what they did to my guy, Joe Moorhead, after two years. Had to bring, had to bring up Joe <laughs> Moorhead. You knew that was coming. <laughs> I would not rule out the idea of, of Mike Leach being that surprise. How much longer is Lane Kiffin the coach at Ole Miss if we stay in that state knowing how big of a name that is in the sport? I think he's there at least five years. I really okay. do. I do. And that I'll, I'll take the over on whatever projection there is for him. The over-under is probably, what, like four years for Lane there or something like that total, and this is year three. So if you're asking me what do I think Lane would leave for, remember the way that things played out at USC preseason number one team in the country 2012 shouldn't have been preseason number one alabama should have been preseason number one having said that this is still a situation at Ole miss in which we haven't really seen lane's guys in there yet all these guys that 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 were that were starring for him last year with the exception of a few and he got some transfers in there as well those were matt luke guys he wants to see this through and not just his transfer portal guys he wants to see this through what's it going to look like if luke altmeyer surprisingly wins this starting job and beats out jackson dart the highly coveted transfer from usc that's lane that's going to be lane's guy and he's that's going to be his ride or die and i'm i almost find myself saying like that's actually more intriguing than seeing jackson dart because we saw luke altmeyer struggle in the sugar bowl in relief of matt corral against a dave aranda coach defense so i'll give him a little bit of a pass on that but you know i think we have a lot of questions about lane moving forward but we still need to see what it looks like with his recruited players and his developed his developed players so i, I would t- i would tend to take the overall i'll say at least five years you started to reference jobs that he would potentially leave Ole miss for are there any that could be there on the horizon Never say never. Yeah. Never say never because everybody's going to connect the Alabama dots, right? I don't know that he – he seems to be all in with the SEC, though. When, when, there, when there were the rumors about Miami last year, I cackled at that. I was like, give me a break. Like, he, Lane's going to leave Ole Miss for Miami for what? 
Look at the success in the last 20 years. We're not living in 2002 anymore. We're not living in 1988. This isn't the U in the same way that we would traditionally think of it. And yeah, Lane has the connection to South Florida. He spent time there at FAU. I, I understand all that. They're putting more resources into their program. What Mario Cristobal has been able to do in a very short period of time is nothing short of impressive. But Lane leaving for a job like Miami, like, no, he doesn't need to. I think it would make more sense to leave for a job like Alabama. I don't think a job like Georgia would come open, but you know, even LSU, I, I, I thought, man, it would have made perfect sense for LSU to make a big-time push for him. That, that didn't really ever get off the ground. So I, I think that Lane is, is locked into Ole Miss for a while, and I think he's at a stage in his life where he doesn't need money. Kind of pick and choose and figure out what, what would be best for his legacy. Replacing Nick Saban would be chef's kiss. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that would be incredible. And on a Mississippi contract right now currently that yes. can only max out at four years extensions are just weird to think about as someone who doesn't have any structure you know just in our line of work or you know the i'd say the majority of people listening to the show probably don't walk around saying i've got this much time left in this contract you know it'd be great if we all had extensions think about that (laughs) you had oh you you met expectations here is this extension it it, coaches these days don't get rewarded for meeting expectations like they don't they, they get these extensions basically if they if they do what's asked of them. Right. You know, even though you're paid a ton of money, and Jimbo Fisher is the, the prime example of this. Jimbo Fisher gets a 10-year, $75 million guaranteed contract in 2020 happens. And then before the start of the 2021 season, what do you know? Jimbo Fisher somehow gets another raise and another extension. Anybody that's saying that Jimbo Fisher is on any sort of hot seat is – just telling you that they haven't looked at his buyout figures and realizing that he still has $86 million left on that contract after this year. They're not paying him $86 million not to work. I know that oil money is a different beast. That's not happening. Jimbo Fisher is kind of the prime example of that, though. I, I, I think I got to talk to my bosses now about extensions for just simply meeting expectations, satisfactory work. Can you met you. the deadline. <laughs> yes, you met the deadline. Congratulations. Here's a rich extension. Thank you very much. We'll give you an eight-figure buyout. And then, Connor, this is the second time we've brought this up today, but thinking of contracts and money figures and dollars that are out there, how about like Juan Soto in baseball oh, said yeah. no to $440 million? Can you think about that? Just think about how crazy that would have to be to be presented that. Just yeah. just at the, in the room, and, and maybe it's his agent, he's like not there or whatever, but just being told. It's on a paper and you're just like looking at that number. $440 million and having the self-awareness is the wrong word because that's given him a little bit too much credit or his people too much credit, but being able to to be at that place in your life to say I'm worth more than that. Yeah. That's a flex that <laughs> no human being I, I don't know ever right. can be able to say is yeah I turned down four hundred forty million dollars. Yeah. What? Michael Jordan didn't turn down four hundred forty million dollars. No no nobody that I know has turned down that much money. Maybe Pat Mahomes. Right. He's like the only other one, but other than that, man. Must be nice. Must be nice. Always great to see you. Thanks for taking some time to visit with us today. Appreciate it, guys. That's Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South joining us on Sports Call. 